Hey, good morning and welcome to another five and a bit hours of Anything Can Happen Radio. That's what we do here on the Night Shift. Um, I've got some thoughts. I share them with you. Um, I look forward to your reaction and your contribution. If there's something happening that you think we need to be talking about, if you'd like to write the schedule, um, we'll give it a go. And uh, together we keep each other company through the small hours of every morning. Um, Good morning to everybody working right now. Uh, Good morning to police officers, paramedics, emergency service workers, road workers, truckies, taxi drivers, well, Uber drivers, if you're a driver, um, we're talking to you. Hope the sound is coming out of the dashboard loud and clear. Um, yeah, if you're, um, if you're earning a living, if you're working in a factory, if you're building something, making something, if you're contributing, we're with you. And if you're just one of the many Australians who can't sleep and you need a bit of company throughout the morning, well, I'm glad that we're here. It is the night shift, a little radio experiment. Um, Fitzy and Dobbo started about eight years ago. They said, let's give this bloke a crack. And we're still here. And I keep saying it. Um, it's proof positive that Triple M management don't listen because there's no other explanation as to why we're still here. So we run our own little race and uh, we play some of the best classic rock ever recorded as opposed to some of the rubbish that wins Grammy Awards. Don't start me. I'm, I know, Thomas. I'm old. I'm getting crusty. My filter is getting thinner and thinner. My tenure here on the Triple M network is um, getting short. Well, I don't know how long I'm going to last because my filter is just wearing very, very thin. Uh, I know the Grammy Awards are supposed to be the absolute pinnacle of the music industry's appreciation of what gets recorded and what doesn't and what sells and what doesn't. And uh, I'm going to say a lot of it is crap to me. I just don't get it. I, I, I honestly, I don't get it. I forgot that it was on today. It was on yesterday. Oh, that says everything. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. And I and you're you're the young um contributor to this program. You're supposed to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on and you thought that the Grammys were on today, did you? Oh, I'm not that young anymore. I mean I, I love Kylie. Like, why? Because she's Australian and she's you know, she's very successful at what she does. But a great musician, I don't think she is. Padump, I mean, okay, it's won a Grammy. Um, it's it obviously was not aimed at me. Yeah, and yet we're close to each other in age. I don't get it. So anyway, those who won, well done. Those who didn't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, on a very very serious note. We've got five teenage boys who have now been arrested over that fatal stabbing of that Queensland grandmother on the weekend. This is the most horrid, horrid story. Five teenage boys have been arrested. Vileen White, she was 70, and she was allegedly stabbed to death near her car in an underground car park at Town Square Red Bank Plain Shopping Centre in Ipswich southwest of Brisbane, on Saturday. Her car was also taken and found about 20 minutes away. Police said a 15-year-old from Ripley presented to Ipswich Police Station 9.30pm last night and was arrested. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, three 16-year-olds and another 15-year-old 
Are you listening to these ages? Three 16-year-olds, another 15-year-old, were arrested and currently they're assisting officers with their inquiries. No further information is available as police are continuing their investigations. Five teenage boys, five. And a woman is dead and she was stabbed to death in front of her six-year-old granddaughter. Detective Acting Superintendent Heath McQueen said yesterday that he was confident more people would be in custody by tonight, and tonight being Tuesday, February 6. McQueen said, overwhelming information's been passed to the police by the community. He said, on a scale like we've never seen. And he said, officers have been working around the clock on what he said was a callous, cowardly and violent crime which happened after the retiree had been shopping with her six-year-old granddaughter. I mean, it's just senseless, senseless violence. I'm going to talk to Senator Pauline Hanson later this morning about this. She is beside herself, as too is everybody. But Pauline Hanson knows the area very, very well. She is uh, a Queensland senator. And once again... Today, you're going to hear the opposition asking for the government to be tougher, to bring down heavier sentences, and there'll be a candlelight vigil. There'll be people who will be mourning the loss of this woman who's been taken away from her family, and then what will happen? And what is the answer? I mean, do we want young kids locked up? You know what Pauline Hanson says? They want to be locked up. She says a lot of the juvenile delinquents, she reckons that juvenile detention is much better for them than their home, and a lot of them try and get locked up. This is what Pauline Hansen's saying. I'll uh, play you my conversation with Pauline on this a little bit later on this morning. And if you miss it, it'll be a separate clip on our podcast. In, in fact, it'll, it'll be there very, very quickly. As soon as it goes to where you'll hear it on our podcast. But there you are, five teenage boys. Um, One of them, one of the 15-year-old boys, was actually taken to Ipswich Police Station, I believe, by his father. So what's in store for these kids now? Anyway, it's in the hands of the police, the police prosecution. I don't know if we'll ever know who these people are because they're under age or what they're... um, or what their final destination will be. But it's out of hand. It's completely out of hand. And yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. And Chris Philosilli, who is, uh, who is the leader of the opposition in Queensland, is, is sick and tired of saying, well, what do we do? And, and, um, and this juvenile crime continues to go on. And it's not just Queensland. It's a national atrocity. But while there's no consequences, it'll just keep happening. But who stabs a 70-year-old woman for a car. I mean, what's going on here? It's an unspeakable act. And I know that the family of this great-grandmother are just, well, they're beside themselves. She was buying snacks for a Bible study session, apparently. So the police released CCTV of four teenagers dumping her blue Hyundai Getz on a street in nearby Springfield Lakes about 20 minutes after the alleged stabbing and now five teenage boys have been arrested. Our thoughts and our 
a big hug going out to her family. But what can you do? What can you do? More on that later this morning. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, I'm going to have a talk later this morning. We were supposed to do it yesterday, but we'll do it today. Uh, our employment expert, Graham Wynn. We're talking about a young Gen Zer, an 18-year-old, who got a job uh, at a hairdressing salon. And apparently she was such a pain in the ass, she got the flick. She uh, didn't do much work. She spent most of her time on her phone. When she was attending to customers, she was gossiping and she was in their ear, uh, bad-mouthing her employer most of the time. Some of the regular customers said, we're not coming back while this this child is here. She's just a pain in the ass. Uh, I, I don't want to be here. Um, and then she bad-mouthed her employer, allegedly, on her TikTok account. So anyway, her boss said, you've got to go. And she <laughs> went to the unfair dismissal, and she won. She won. She won an unfair dismissal case. I don't know how much she's going to get paid. I think they're still working that out this week. But we'll talk about that um, a little bit later on with with Graham Wynn, our employment expert from Superior People Recruitment. Looking forward to that. Now, I'm not a prude. And I grew up on Sydney's northern beaches appreciating the form of the female fellow beachgoer. Can I say that? Um, and I've got to say, this latest style of the Brazilian bikini that vanishes up the uh, crack, the ass crack of, of uh, beachgoers, had that been around when I was a 13, 14-year-old walking up and down North Narrabeen Beach, I, uh, I probably wouldn't have got much sleep at night, if you know what I mean. But it's funny, when you see these things um, everywhere and blatantly, um, you become desensitised to it. Anyway, so anyway, the normal thing is now for young girls, have you noticed this, Thomas, to wear those bikinis that go up your ass and show your bot-bot? Yeah, they look uncomfortable. That's all that I can think. It's like continuously flossing your ass. Yeah. As you walk, but anyway, imagine the feel. I wouldn't like it. Anyway, it's the latest thing. It's 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 a it's it's the it's called the G-string bikini, and it's the latest thing. But anyway, a man has sparked outrage after penning a letter pleading for skimpy bikinis to be banned from Australian beaches because it makes him feel uncomfortable. Community worker Ian Grace pleaded for the Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate to ban the skimpy G-string bikinis. It was a letter that he published uh, in the Gold Coast Bulletin on Saturday. Mr. Grace, who is the founder and president of local charity Youth Music Venture, said the reason for his concern was protection. Hmm? He said, I don't believe that young teens want to be seen as sexy, but it's the fashion right now. And I absolutely believe that the real issue here is the men who might be oogling or ogling. Is it ogling or oogling? Ogling the girls. The Gold Coast charity worker, who was a finalist in the 2023 Gold Coast Australian of the Year Local Hero category and was the 2022 Gold Coast Volunteer of the Year, admits the problem's unfair, but it's still a problem. Mr Grace detailed an incident that left him feeling uncomfortable when he recently walked past a woman wearing one of these G-strings. One young lady in particular was walking on the footpath on the main road and had the tiniest triangle in front and was as close to naked 
as anyone could be. He wrote, while any man would enjoy the view, I believe women are very much demeaning and cheapening themselves, portraying themselves as sex objects and then decrying it when men see them that way. The volunteer said, bare bums are just as erotic as bare breasts and they should be barred in the same way. Can I throw this one out there? Mm. If we're going to ban G-strings, can I still wear Speedos? Well, that's a very good point. Should budgie smugglers also be banned because there's not much to the imagination there, depending on how big your budgie is? That's right. Yeah. My daughter, we were were meant to meet down at our local beach a couple of summers ago. And uh, Nikki and I got there first. We set up our chairs. And um, next thing you know, Holly comes along with um, her boyfriend and and another girlfriend in tow. They came across where we were sitting and she screamed. And she said, don't you dare wear those budgie smugglers. We call them sluggos. She said, put your shorts on or I'm leaving. That's fun to say, sluggos. Oh, that's, what we, that's what we called them. Down. So yeah. I had to put my board shorts back on over my sluggos um, in order for my daughter to stay sitting with us at the beach. She, she screamed and said, I refuse to sit anywhere near you. Anyway, um, what is appropriate beach wear? It's, times have changed. This is way before your time, Thomas, and I vaguely remember it. But back in the day in the 60s, uh, Sydney beaches had beach inspectors and they would go around and they would measure the side width of the women's bikinis. And I think it had to be four inches. It was an, a ruler, an old-fashioned ruler. And if it was any thinner than four inches, you were, bar- you, you were sent from the beach. You were actually sent to the beach. And if you refused to go, police officers would arrive and charge you with indecency. And beach inspectors, they were usually crusty old men, um, and they would walk around and they would measure women's bikini sizes. So we've come a, a very, very long way. I tell you what pisses me off about going to the beach these days, and I could be on my own here, but I'd like to talk to anyone listening around Australia who goes to the beach. These, the latest trend, these huge cabanas, these huge cabanas with four legs, and they take up so much room, they block your view of the beach. I Look, I know we've got to do our best to fight melanomas and skin cancer and provide shade. But these huge cabanas, should there be a special section on the beach for cabanas? Because, so you get a big cabana and it attracts maybe 10 people. The funny thing I notice is that they put all their gear and their eskies under the cabana and then they sit outside the cabana. It's a little um, counterintuitive, isn't it? Oh, no. Back in the day, you had umbrellas. And if you look at early pictures of Bondi, go back to look, find Bondi Beach, 1950s or 60s, and it's a sea of umbrellas. So they were just as intrusive. But these big cabanas, they're, are, they annoying? are they annoying you, folks? Maybe there should be some sort of a line where cabanas go, can't go past this point on the beach. I find them intrusive. But anyway, there you go. That's just me. But... Um, the G-string bikini. What do you make of it, folks? Should it be banned? This bloke who's written to the Gold Coast Bulletin, community worker Ian Grace, 
Does he have a point? Does it cheapen women? Does it make them? Um, does it make them a sex object? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, what else is going on? We got Trevor Long. We got Trevor Long a little bit later today. We're talking tech talk. Uh, Trevor with everything for the man EFTM. Facebook has turned twenty. And I want to ask you, listeners, are we better off? I don't reckon there'd be one listener out there now that hasn't used Facebook at some point. I have for many years talked about absolutely getting rid of it. The only reason I went on to Facebook is when I went to work on the drive program at 2 C in Canberra years ago. And my producer, Sarah, she said, oh, do you have any social media accounts? I said, no. And she said, why not? I said, because I don't want one. And she said, look, I, I think you need to go. Oh, this is before TikTok. Um, it might have even been before Twitter. Well, I don't know. She said, look, go on Facebook. I'll set, I'll set up an account for you. Even if you just stay in touch with other people in the media, maybe you could all swap ideas and stay in touch and who's doing what. And I thought, okay. Oh, all right. Like a community billboard where I stay in touch with people in, in the radio industry. Well, what a bloody stake that was because I didn't, I didn't have contact with people in the radio industry that were sharing ideas or opinions. I just kept getting photos of their children's birthday parties or photos of them out at night and, and, and photos of their meals or their smashed other brunches. So why aren't I, why have I, why have I not gone on? Because my kids are on it. And it's the only way I can stay in touch. Mind you, they find Facebook very, very old-fashioned now, and they only put on Facebook what they want Dad to see. So, anyway, Facebook, 20 years old. Mark Zuckerberg, it was originally started just as a way of people at Harvard to stay in touch on the, on the uh, university campus. And look at how it went off. Have you seen that movie, Social Media? Did you like it? I did. I thought it was very good. Was it close to the truth? Oh, I guess all stories are a little bit glorified to an extent if there has any Hollywood influence. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it was a very, very good idea. And look at it. Look at it. Do you, um, do you use Facebook? Do you like it? Do you think we're all better off because of Facebook? One triple three five three. I'd love to hear your stories. Um, because there's so many aspects to Facebook, like the Facebook marketplace that Nikki uses. Um, and then we have our local postcode Facebook group. If a dog goes missing, it straight away goes there and everyone's keeping an eye out. It's kind of like a neighborhood watch. It's a, it's a community feel thing. on, on community on, notice board, yeah. It's a community notice board. Yeah, I've got the same thing with my suburb and it's a great way to keep in touch with what's going on and if there's anything happening that you should be aware of. I, I think that's what it started off as. And it's almost what it's kind of evolved into. People only really use Facebook now as a means of keeping in touch. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know, folks, Facebook, do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you on it? Are you on it even though you hate it? We'll talk about that with Trevor Long later today. Um, and coming up in just a moment, I'm going to play you a conversation I had with uh, Michael Hope, a very good friend of mine. He's the owner of Hope Estate in the Hunter Valley. Um, he's been in the man cave a number of times. Uh, Michael Hope makes and sells alcoholic beverages. 
and does it very, very well. Uh, his wines are world famous, but he also makes very good beer. Uh, he makes gin, he makes whiskey, he does it all. And so he has some very firm thoughts on the twice yearly tax hike on beer and spirits, and he's filthy about it. As of yesterday, Australian drinkers are now paying $101.85 in tax per litre of pure alcohol. The cost of a pint of beer is expected to rise about 90 cents. The alcohol excise, it's a very, very sneaky tax, Thomas, because it uh, was legislated many years ago, 30 years ago. So you can't blame Albanese for this. Uh, previous governments going back 30, 35 years have instigated this and they'll continue. No one's going to change it because it's what they call on Kim's convenience. Have you watched that television show? It's very funny. It's sneak attack. It is sneak attack. In other words, twice a year, this tax comes into effect and it's, it's uh, linked to inflation. It happens automatically. The government doesn't have to say, oh, by the way, a brand new tax comes into effect at midnight uh, on the 5th of February. No, twice a year, this just automatically happens. And twice a year, the, uh, the tax on cigarettes and alcohol just automatically goes up. It's a twice yearly tax hike and it's happened again. And despite the government predicting revenue from alcohol taxes to bring in, are you waiting for this, $7.86 billion in revenue just this financial year, um, I reckon they've got to look at the other losses. And one of those losses is before too long, we are going to see clubs and pubs shut down. And we talked about this yesterday about how important the local country pub or club is in regional Australia. Your average club or pub in regional Australia sells about 11 kegs a week. For them to cover the cost as this tax continues to climb, eventually they're going to have to put the price of a beer up to cover all of this and uh, their locals will say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I can't afford to go to the club. And they, these clubs and pubs, which are the lifeblood of Australian towns, will close down. I wonder if the government is understanding that. Maybe they need to review this twice yearly tax and, and maybe tax regional hotels and clubs a different rate. I don't know. But we're going to see them close down. We are going to see them close down. How many of you out there in Triple M land can afford to pay $15 for a schooner of beer. A schooner is a pint in South Australia. How many of you are prepared to pay $15 for a beer? How many of you would rather buy a slab of beer and take it home? I wonder how many Australian drinkers listening to this program are thinking, I can't afford to go to the pub anymore, and therefore we won't buy a meal there. They'll miss out on the food. Uh, the local darts night, the trivia nights, are they all going to go? Because people just can't afford to go to their local anymore. I wonder if the government's thinking about this. We'll talk about this very, very shortly with Michael Hope. I'd like to hear from you. It was interesting to hear the Reverend Jim Reynolds bar up yesterday, wasn't it? 
the head of the Outreach Ministries Australia, he rang the night shift. He said he believes that, especially in regional Australia, that the, the pub, the local pub, the meeting place, is more important than a church. Boy, did that get people talking. And nearly everybody agreed with him. He's got his finger on the pulse as the Reverend Jim. It was interesting. It's a separate clip on our podcast if you want to hear what he has to say. Fascinating stuff. But we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Anyway, look, it's an infinity tax. It'll never stop. It's been legislated and it happens twice a year. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's taxed by stealth. It just rolls around. But something's got to give. Something has got to give. We'll talk more about that shortly with Michael Hope from Hope Estate, uh, who is um, a, um, what do you call it? He, he's a, uh, an independent brewer. He's not a big player, but he is an independent. And uh, it's, it's hurting these, these people. Mind you, if you're really, really tricky, if you lower the alcohol content of your beer, it's cheaper. Okay, because it's uh, the tax is applied depending on how much alcohol is uh, is actually in your beer. So low alcohol beers are going to be cheaper. Is that a good thing? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I mean the the largest selling beer in Australia in twenty twenty three last year was Great Northern, both as far as takeaways are concerned and on tap in licensed premises. Great Northern, and it's a mid-range beer. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it'll encourage more Australians to drink lower alcohol beer. You may have some thoughts. One triple three five three. The quickie's coming up. The clue is on our podcast. So uh, we'll do that a little bit later on today. Have a listen to the quickie right now. Go to wherever it is you get your podcasts and uh, you'll hear it. You'll also hear today's clue. Uh, what else is happening? Look, it's Trucky Tuesday. And everybody that drives for a living, you need to listen up. Trucky Tuesday, Rod Hanafy is coming up. We have Sal Petrosito from the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. And uh, it's very rarely that you'll get a chance to talk to the CEO of the NHVR. I know a lot of truckies have a beef with the NHVR. Well... This is your chance to talk to the boss. So Rod Hanafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, as usual in half an hour, and our special guest, Sal Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR. Everybody who drives for a living, this is your chance to talk to the NHVR. And if you want to ring Thomas right now, this is your cue to call. Ring Thomas now, and we will put you in the queue and make sure that you're first in line to have this very, very rare opportunity. Trucky Tuesday, coming up in about 35 minutes. Call us now, one triple three five three, and uh, we'll get you in the queue. If you have a problem, if you reckon you've been dudded by the NHVR and you'd like to talk to their boss directly, this is your chance. Don't let it slip by. One triple three five three. Thomas can take your calls now and we'll put you in the queue. It's good to have your company. Plenty going on this morning. Uh, why don't you jump on board? Caller of the week coming up on Friday where our favourite caller will win a whole bag of prizes. And for Trucky Tuesday, 
some separate prizes. I'm going to give away uh, a Triple M T-shirt to our best Trucky Tuesday caller. So let's be constructive. Let's create some conversation and let's see if we can't get some conversation going with Sal Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR, coming up shortly. It's good to have your company. I hope you're all well. One triple three five three. You're listening to the Night Shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M Network, and we are streaming live as we speak on the Lister app. I'll give you a look at your weather for today, Tuesday, February 6, in just a sec. Here's Guns and Roses for you now on Triple M. So let's go. Um, Trucky Tuesday getting underway in 23 minutes from now. So everybody that drives for a living, this is for you. It's not just for truckies, but truckies and truckettes, if you have anything whatsoever to do with the NHVR, if you've got a question you'd like to ask their CEO, Sal, Sal Petrosito, he's on the program coming up soon with Rod Hannafy. Rod is the man that can be your voice in Canberra. Politicians listen to him. The NHVR listens to him. Rod Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, joining us as usual. And, um, yeah, I think we'll give away a Triple M T-shirt to um, our our best call for Truckee Tuesday. That's coming up in about 22 minutes from now. One triple three five three. Hey, listen, speaking of driving, um, if you snore, there is a chance you have sleep apnea. And the last thing you want to do is fall asleep at the wheel. If you think there's a chance at all that you may have sleep apnea, why don't you get yourself tested? And the experts are Sove, S-O-V-E, Sove, CPAP Clinic, and uh, they can organise bulk billing for your testing. So if you have sleep apnea and you find that your CPAP mask is getting old, leaking air, Regular CPAP maintenance is essential to your sleep apnea treatment, and that's why I recommend the expert team, Sove CPAP Clinic. And this month, they're giving away a $20 FPOS gift card when you buy any ResMed AirFit or AirTouch mask. And this offer is available only at Sove CPAP Clinic, and it ends on the 29th of this month. Stop snoring with Sove. Visit Sove CPAP Clinic. At sove.com.au, that's S-O-V-E, CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. Yeah, that's the uh, the shorter version of Brick in the Wall. How can you get any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Sort of left off the end of that. Uh, magnificent piece of music from Pink Floyd. Hey, one triple three five three. very shortly, Rod Hannafy will join us. He'll be pulling up somewhere in his Kemworth and uh, he'll give us his thoughts on Truckee Tuesday. And we're very, very lucky to have Sal Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR, joining us as well. So that's coming up in just a moment. Get your thoughts together. You've got a question for Rod or Sal. Now is the time to ring through. And um, Thomas, we'll give away a Triple M T-shirt, I think, to um, our best Truckee Tuesday caller. If it's um, positive, if it's constructive, but if you have a genuine beef with the NHVR, this is your chance to talk to Sal. I mean, you talk straight to the boss of the NHVR. Here is your chance. This is your cue to call. One triple three five three. Hey, look, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow. We, I couldn't remember the name of the plant that Nikki planted. 
It's to fill in a gap in the trees that border our house with the park opposite. And she called it a grass tree. I thought it was a, ba- a bamboo. It looks very bamboo-ish. It's a grass tree. It's grown a foot in nearly two weeks with Swift Grow. It is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Our garden, all through winter, has colour in it. When it shouldn't have any annuals flowering at all in winter, our garden has the geraniums flower all year. Swift Grow. Put it on your garden. Put it on your lawn. You'll thank me. Start the new year with greener lawns, bigger plants, better water retention, and even better tasting veggies with this all-natural Swift Grow. The amazing organic barramundi fertiliser. It's got Australians raving about it. Um, Pat rang me up a couple of weeks ago. God, she loves it. But I put some on my lawn, Luke, in a certain spot. Yep. And a couple of weeks later when my lawnmower man came and said to me, what's happened to your lawn? Mm. He said, what? Well, I said, why? He said, because it's, it's grown really well here and it's short over there. So <laughs> there you go. So I, my, my petunias had grown at least six inches, you know, in, in about a week and a half. And as I said to Thomas, if I hadn't had that mm. and seen it for myself, uh, so anybody who's, who's doubting that it doesn't work, it surely does. It surely does, Pat. And Pat, you, like thousands of others, are loving what Swift Grow does to your garden. If it's green and it grows, you'll love Swift Grow. Order online, swiftgrow.com.au. Trucky Tuesdays next. folks, welcome to another Truckee Tuesday, a little segment here on the night shift we started eight years ago. Um, I got a phone call from Rod Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, and he said, Luke, do you have any idea how many truckies listen to you? I said, mate, it was so early in the piece when Jess and I started, I said, I have no idea who listens to me. And to be honest with you, Rod, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I may not last the week. <laughs> it's, it's true, isn't it? But... Um, but here we are, and we've established Truckee Tuesday, and it gives me the chance to talk, and Rod Hannafy to talk, to people who make their living following a white line, driving at night under very difficult circumstances. I have learned so much, Rod, uh, over the last eight years. You know, me, like most drivers, you get onto the freeway, usually only when you're on holidays, when you encounter large trucks, and um, I had no idea what the business was all about, what was what the people behind the steering wheel were like. And um, I'm, I'm so glad we started this segment, Rod, because it's really important that we all get on, correct? It certainly is, mate. And, you know, we as truck drivers drive cars, but a lot of people in cars have never been in trucks and don't understand them. And we certainly don't teach them enough about it when they get their licence either. That's right. So... You and I have discussed these really important points over many years now, and I think we're getting there. Are we making leeway? Have, has this program helped? Mate, you've got to think that it does, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Um, if we can get a message out, we can prevent one accident, save one life, then everything after that's a bonus, mate. Okay. Now, we often hear from truckies 
who believe that their regulator, the National um, Heavy Vehicle Regulator, the NHVR, is often hitting them with too big a stick. And the regulations that surround the trucking industry are very, very tough. And some truckies will ring us up, Rod, and say, it's too tough. However, the bloke who is in charge of the NHVR is a bloke called Sal Petrosito, who's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. And he knows that um, he has to have broad shoulders to run this organisation. And from time to time, over the years, he said, look, and mind you, uh, daylight saving is when he'll normally do it. But Sal Petrosito, the CEO of the NHVR, has this morning, like he has before, said, listen, I'll come on, Truckee Tuesday with Rod. And if truckies want to ring me and talk to me directly about the NHVR and tell me how we can help, how can we make things better, um, I'm happy to take calls. He's on the other line now. Sal Petrosito, g'day. Hello, Luke. How are you? And hello, Rod. How are you? Well, we're both really good. I can't speak for Rod because he's always cranky. But I can, <laughs> I can tell you that I'm fantastic, Sal, and thank you once again for your time. Not a problem, Luke. I'm really glad to be on and able to take some calls from listeners because the topic you guys are talking about and have been for the last eight years is really, really important that we get right. I, I, it was right hand if he's doing that we have this segment. He's did, a very did, persuasive man, Luke. I remember many years ago he twisted my arm to get, him, get me in his truck so he could show me every bump between mm. Brisbane and the border mm. to demonstrate just how poor the road conditions were. So he doesn't give up, Luke. And when you went in Rod's truck and spent that time, what did you learn? Mate, I learned that this industry is probably one of the hardest that exists in this country. And we do, and I think everyone takes for granted just how hard this job is that they all do. And, and I take my hat off to them. I, I was born in the footwell of an international truck because my parents used to take fruit from the Stanthorpe property to the Brisbane market. Yeah, yeah. And, and can I say that, you know, from, from in that truck to where things are today, I, I really take my hat off to these guys. It's a credit to what they do. Uh, it's a difficult task, but it's an important task. Uh, we get a lot of credit, and I'll let Rod take over in a second. But uh, just as a complete outsider and someone who's been educated and continues to be educated every Tuesday, the one thing I do notice is a lot of truckies and truckettes, men and women, feel that the NHVR on occasions is too tough. And and you must know that they think that. Yeah, I do, Luke. And and the interesting thing is, and as you would appreciate, we're tasked to implement a law. And I'd be the first to admit that the heavy vehicle national law is not the perfect instrument uh, to be working on. And some of the things that we've been doing over the last sort of 10 years that I've been in the role is really trying to bring to the table some common sense practicalities. But at the end of the day, the ministers, I suppose, appoint me to do a job and, and that job is to try and implement bad legislation. There's a review of the heavy vehicle national law currently going on. Um, from my opinion, I think it's taking way too long to get that legislative change. But what we're trying to do is look at how we can make life easier for this industry while still keeping them safe and legal. And, and I suppose that's the balance that we have to take, Luke. Rod Hannafy, President of the National Road Freighters Association on the other line. Rod, uh, I know there's a few things you'd like to ask Sal and talk to Sal about now. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, so a lot of people will only see uh, your staff on the highway. 
Um, there are certainly perceptions out there as to how things go, and you've already covered a couple of topics. You only implement the law that's there. Uh, you, as well as other drivers, have uh, contributed to that HVNL review, and we all hope that we're going to see something better there. But mm. for those drivers who haven't really looked into the overarching role of the NHVR, can you just quickly tell us sort of how that works um, in, in where you sit and, and what your powers are? And we know the other thing is, of course, police do have power to um, institute actions, but they are yep. not under your control. Yeah, you're right, Drive. So, so really quickly, um, we are established now just on almost 10 years um, under a piece of legislation that was adopted in each of the states except WA and NT. So we're not a truly national regulator and it's not a truly national law. And what happened was um, that that legislation was adopted in the Queensland Parliament and then each of the other state parliaments took on various aspects of that law. So it's, it's almost harmonised, Rod, but as you've indicated, it's also implemented by police. And I don't have a say or control over police. We work really constructively with police and a lot of work's going in to ensure that the approach that we're adopting as a regulator can sort of be almost uh, taken on board by the policing agency. And I, and I think we're making slow progress, Rod. You, you know it's a, it's a big task. Um, it's a big country. There's a lot more, um, you know, boys and girls in blue uniforms than there are in my grey uniforms. But we do implement a set of laws that were given to us by ministers. It was a set of laws that each of the state agencies were happy to sign off on. And I'd be the first to admit that it's not the best piece of legislation. And if any of your listeners have a problem sleeping and not when you're driving behind the wheels, guys... Um, pick up 760-odd pages of legislation and flick through it and you'll understand what I'm saying. But, yeah. you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, Rod, um, what we've probably done is taken, you know, what is not the best piece of legend. I think we've done a fairly reasonable job in, in trying to get it right. And I'm going to be the first to admit we're not going to always get it right. There will always be something that will stuff, but I, I think we're moving in the right direction. At the beginning of um, um, our chat before I put you both to air, Sal, you said to me, look, please, I want people to ring in and talk to me and tell me what they're going through. How can we help people? Um, and you also said, Sal, you've got broad shoulders. Yeah, look, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a son of a Sicilian migrant, so trust me, you get to get very broad shoulders growing up. And if I was a shrinking violet, I probably still wouldn't be in this role. And one of the key things that I've been really keen to do, and I think Rod knows that, is to actually get out there and listen to the guys. Because they're the ones that are living this day in and day out. And if we don't understand it, there's no way that we can influence some of that change. Um, so I am keen to hear on, on what's not going well. You know, the things that I have control over, I can definitely make a change. The things that I can't, I can definitely help influence that to ensure that we get the right outcome. Because the one thing that I don't want to see is a degradation of this industry and a loss of what I believe is to be some very, very capable individuals that drive, you know, some of the largest combinations that exist in this in this world to deliver goods and services for the people of Australia. One triple three five three. So there you go. If you drive for a living, how can the NHVR and here is the boss, the Sal Petrosito, the CEO, here he said he's got broad shoulders. 
What is the NHVR going to do to make life easier for you? And how would you like the NHVR to go to bat for you? Ron Hannafy is with us, president of the National Road Freighters Association. Gentlemen, we'll um, take a break. We'll come back. And a little bit later, we'll play Where's Wadney? <laughs> um, don't, Sal, I know you know where Wadney is, so don't you give it away. But we play a little game every Tuesday. If uh, We give a clue, and if someone can actually pinpoint where Rod Hannafy's Kenworth is parked, uh, we give him a prize. But I'm going to give away a Triple M T-shirt to uh, one of our callers this morning, Sal. And I want to give it away to a, a caller that's positive, a caller that's, that, that gives you a suggestion that you think is worth taking up. Um, well, I, I'll Rod, hey, Rod Hannafy, I'll tell you what, I'll let you judge who wins our our Trucky Tuesday T-shirt today, eh? All right, mate, that sounds good. And, and like, from what Sal said there, the one thing that they have changed is they are all about education before enforcement. It's been a real change from the past, and we know that blokes have seen that enforcement being heavy and it can come from the other side, but I do welcome that, uh, and that's certainly something that we see as beneficial to both sides. All right, we'll come back. And we'll talk some more. It's Chucky Tuesday here on Triple M. The night shift around Australia on the Triple M network. It is Chucky Tuesday at the moment. Um, and we're lucky to have Sal Petrosito, the CEO of the NHVR, with us live. He's happy to take calls. You've um, got a suggestion or a problem with the NHVR. This is your chance to talk to the boss. And this doesn't happen often. So, Sal, once again, thank you so much for your time. Um, you're welcome. Okay, Dean, your first caller. Dean, good morning. Uh, how's it going? Uh, I'm a heavy vehicle driver trainer down here in Victoria. Uh, I'm also a truck driver, so I've worked part time in both jobs. Uh, I just want to inquire about the, uh, the truck licensing sort of system. I know it's not really meant to do with you guys, but the, uh, you can do a truck license in one day. You might as the lunch break and paperwork stuff out. They really get about three or four hours in the truck, and then they're going into the Real world, you'd say, and you go into the go get a job, and training involved. They just out on the road straight away. Um, is there any way that is there in the future where we can try and make it that uh, the courses are going to be longer? Or yeah, good call, Dean and Rod Hannafy's listening in. Uh, Sal, we get a lot of calls from professional truck drivers who are concerned that the training for new drivers is inadequate. And we also get callers from people who say drivers that come from overseas, and I'm not going to single out one country, but there is one country that seems to come up that have licenses, but they are nowhere near up to our standard. Sal, do you have some thoughts along this? Yeah, and Dean, look, thanks for your call. Look, um, we, we probably share some of your concerns as the regulator. And as you rightly pointed out, I, I don't have any jurisdictional control over licensing, unfortunately. But there has been a body of work that's been undertaken by OSROs that's looking at driver-based competencies. And we're very much of a view that we should be looking at a driver's competencies and their skills. And that competency may you know, vary depending on the type of vehicle that they drive. I, I've got concerns when we hear that potentially you can come up, do a you know, half a day's course and you're in a multi-combination. So we've been advocating for changes to it. Um, both the Victorian Transport Association, the Queensland Trucking Association, they've also been advocating for more lengthier um, time behind the wheel. Some are suggesting 
120 or 160 hours. But we'd be the first to support a position that said, you really need to understand the competencies of what type of vehicle that you're driving. And those changes need to come into effect. I'm hoping that the work that Osroads has done, um, which has the support of ministers, will be adopted. And that will hopefully start to see um, some changes being introduced, which will start to address some of those concerns that you've raised, Dean. The other thing is, if you come in and get your HR licence, you can do it in a prime mover with some concrete blocks on the back. And if you have a full car licence, you can do it in an auto. And also now you can drive a manual truck, which is only about seven metres long. Potentially you could be driving a five and a half metre truck. Yeah. And, and that's that why we're sense? saying... Sorry, mate, and that's why we're saying we think it needs to be based a little bit more around competency. So if you move in between one of those combinations and if, let's say, you go from a heavy rigid into a B-double, the types of things that you should be able to demonstrate are X, Y, Z. Now, the other thing that's linked to that, and as you would know, you then need you know qualified driver trainers that actually understand that. So we're a big advocate of that. I think there's a strong push across the industry to to see those changes. And as I said earlier, Luke, what we're hoping is yep. that ministers will adopt that work and we'll start to see some change. Because w- what we don't want to do is see a degradation of those critical skills, but we also know that there's a significant driver shortage at the moment. Yeah, we'll so talk about we that tonight. To some sort of balance in some of the comments that Dean's raising, I think, need to be addressed if we're going to have a safe industry. It's a great, great call, Dean, and a great first call to get us going, Dean. You're in the draw for our... Trucky Tuesday Triple M T-shirt, okay? Cheers, mate. Enjoy the rest of your night. No, thank you very much for your call, Dean. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Sal Petrosito is with the CEO of the NHVR. You got a question for him? Um, please feel free. Just before I go back to Rod, um, Sal, I've got to go to this straight away. Dave, where are you? There's a there's a road accident. What's happened? Good day, Dave. Stop for a bit. Yeah, mate. You got ya. Gotcha. Yeah, just uh, about a kilometre north of Karua on the Pacific Highway. It's Karua's between Raymond Terrace and Bulladeela. Yes. Uh, there's a four-wheel drive gone over in the middle, um, three young ones in it. They're all alive, but the girls are a bit knocked around. But just <sighs> just get people to on your radio station because some of our foreign nationals don't listen to the UHF and they're screaming through at 100 kilometres an hour and they nearly need to be going through at five kilometres an hour. They're just not. You try and call them up, they're just not bloody listening. It's so frustrating. We've got the radio turned off. I've got the earphones in, listen to, listen to, hopefully listen to you. They're not listening to UHF. They don't know what's going on out there. Okay, just once again, explain what's happened. Go through it again. Uh, it's four-wheel drive. Four-wheel it's, drive. Uh, yes, it's gone over in the middle of the road. The road is not blocked, but please want everyone to take care getting past the accident scene. It's about a kilometre north of Karua. Okay, I've got Rod on the other... Rod's back with us. Rod, you know where this is? Yeah, mate, yeah. The Pacific Highway, as he said, the only good thing is that at the moment I believe that they're all okay and that the road's not blocked. But, yeah, for goodness sake, be careful out there. There's a lot of rain about, eh? Yeah, we've just got paramedics and everything pulling up as I left. Um, and the um, two boys seemed all right. The young girl was... She was sitting up, a lot of cuts and that, but um, the car's an absolute write-off, so... Um, yeah, just please just take bloody care. Like, people are truck drivers. I caught one bloke, he just sped through 100 kilometres an hour and didn't even care. Uh, what are the conditions there now? I wonder how this accident happened. 
Is, uh, is, is it wet? Uh, is, is visibility no. okay? Absolutely beautiful conditions. I wonder what's happened. Yeah, yeah absolutely beautiful conditions. Um, yeah, there's a truck driver there with him now, and he's got a torch and checking them all out. And so um, rather than block the road, I just left. And, um, yeah, but all, all paramedics and everything are on their way to the scene now. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate your call. No worries at all. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. mate. Yeah, bye-bye. Great call. All right. That's, that, thank God they're okay. Thank goodness they're okay. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Sal Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR, is with us. Rod Hannafy, uh, President of the National Road Freighters Association. I want to hear that sound, Rod. That sound there. Oh, it is getting empty. Have you got your it refill? Have we, have we got your refill yet? No, not yet, mate. We'll have to get some soon. I've got to get some other stuff too for the garden. So we, we'll oh, go the down Swift Grow. Oh, no, time. no. Because yeah. you, you, you love your Swift Grow. Looking into it, yes. You love your Swift Grow for your fruit trees, but you also love your Nature Bee, your power pollen. And this is what we talk about, folks. If you need to stay alert, if you need more energy, and you don't want high caffeine and high sugar drinks, this is natural and it works. It's Nature Bee's power pollen. And thousands of Australians start their day with their power pollen and they're telling us they have more energy. They have better overall health. They have a a great sense of well-being and they're even sleeping better. Power pollen's potent pack of micronutrients. Well, it really is nature's superfood. So why don't you give it a go? Because it comes with a money-back guarantee. Now, if you are a new customer... You're going to get a free week. If you use the code 10OFF when you order your Nature B, you're going to get one week for free. So why don't you try it? Stocks are very limited. Go on to powerpollen.com.au. There is a phone number, but there's no one there. But you can leave a message. It's 1-800-147-009. But powerpollen.com.au. And look at the Give It A Go deal. The code is 10 off and you'll get a week for free. Remember, if Nature Bee doesn't do everything I say it's doing for you, you get your money back. No questions asked. Powerpollen.com.au. Rob, we'll take a break. We'll come back. It's Trucky Tuesday. Rod Hannafy is with us. And today's special guest, Sal Petrosito, the CEO of the NHVR. Sal, thanks for waiting on. Um, John, good morning. Good morning. Good mo- John, Sal Petrosito is listening. Good morning, Sal. I'm not, hey, sure this is, I'm not sure this is a department that you can sort of cover, but you might be able to help or point me in the right direction. I run out of Mordialic, which is southeast of Melbourne, just not far from the coast, and yep. I run north up to Wagga. Now, I don't know if you know what's going on in Melbourne at the moment, but there's only three roads that I can use. That's the Greystones one or Greensboro one, which has got a curfew. I can't use that. There's the Balti Bridge, which is Tullamarine, and there's the Westgate. Now, with the roadworks at 9 o'clock, they close those two bridges, uh, yeah. either for roadworks or, and you just get diverted. Now, I'm 26 metres, mate, and you, you get a diversion that says divert, divert, divert. Now, I don't know if that's for car or truck. Some of the turns that they want us to do, you'd be lucky getting a, a, a little box trailer around it and, you know, 26 metres. I had a bloke call me up tonight. He wanted to know because Turek Road was closed. He wanted to know whether he could get um, 4.6 because he's a stock crate. There's yep. just no help for us. Just work it out yourself. Sal, I hear what this guy's saying. Sal, is this more a call for Rod or can you help here, Sal? 
No, look, um, John, thanks for that. Look, we are aware of a lot of the issues going on in Melbourne with that big build. Um, so you're running a 26-metre B-double, I'm assuming? Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, look, Luke, it is something that I'm happy to take on board and get my access area to have a discussion with Vic Roads around messaging and some of the um, closures that are occurring. We have been working closely with the department, uh, particularly around the two bridges, um, as they're trying to do that construction work to get some clarity. And we've also been implementing some new features on our website to mm. try and get better info to, to the industry. I might, I'm, I'm happy if John can give you a little bit more detail yeah, if you yeah, yeah. it through. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, Sal, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put John back to Thomas. Th- yeah. Thomas will get his details and we'll forward them to you, Sal. Yeah, and then what I'll do is I'll get one of my staff to give John a call tomorrow and just get a bit more details and see what we can do to get some better info and maybe get some better route planning happening so these issues don't occur. How's that, John? Someone from the NHVR is going to contact you later today at your convenience, all right? Excellent, because we've got drivers down there just panicking. They don't want to do the right and wrong thing, which is most of us. And you put into a situation, I was on Latrobe Street the other night and which I shouldn't be on, I'll ring my boss up to get the GPS to find out where the hell I was. And I yeah. had diversion signs in front of me, and I'm sure I shouldn't have been there. But what can I yeah. do? I'm following the signs. Yeah. The signs don't say diversion for truck, it just says diversion. And diversion. what happens if I find a low bridge? I can't back back, I can't turn around, I'm yeah. in strife. And no, no fault John, you raised some really good points. Um, I'll get one of my staff to reach out later today and we'll get some more details and have a chat to Vic Rose around how we can get some better clarity down there. John, it's an excellent, excellent point you bring up. Thank you very much. Uh, Thomas is going to talk to you, John, and the NHVR will get in touch with you today, okay? Excellent. Thank you very much. Have a good night. I, I'm, hear, you, John. I'm hearing what he's saying, and I'm just going to bring um, Rod Hannafield on this. Rod, you heard all of that. It must be frightening when you're getting diversion signs and you've got a very long rig, and you know that you're being diverted somewhere where you shouldn't be. And, mate, that's exactly what happened last night, and that's what we're talking about in the next hour. And this morning I rang Vic Roads, who put me onto the big build, who put me onto CityLink, and none of them wanted to make any claim, and I asked for them to come back to me so I'd have an answer for tonight, and they didn't. So we'll discuss that more next hour, and I'll follow it up with Sal as well. Sal, okay. Um, Sal, Sal sounds like he's across it. We're getting that, that caller's details now. Just while I've got Sal here, because we've only got Sal for a short time, CEO of the NHVR, Ruth is online. Uh, Ruth, you're in Perth. I am in Perth, yeah. Ruth, you're talking directly with Sal Petrosito. Off you go. Hey, Ruth. Hey, how are you going? Good, so, thank you. So um, my business is, and, and obviously I'm a trucker, I'm a female, um, and I have a business of elevated truck-mounted elevated work platforms, and they're the insulated. The yeah, I only do insulated. So mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm actually because I'm from WA. I I can't hear until you're three hours ahead, which is when your program's over. So it's very difficult to know exactly. All I know is like Tuesday nights for um, truckettes. So. But the, I guess the uh, the biggest dilemma for us in our industry is the obviously the Australian standards is is the compliance 
and not something that I know you have, well, you do over there. Um, it's everywhere in Australia. But at the moment, the standards are, standards are being updated, especially in our industry. The uh, you know, 1418.10 and the 2550.10. But it is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I guess, a huge leap for us. It's a, it's a massive change that had to be made, especially in the competency and the compliance. But we, we um, the business that I'm in, we send our vehicles to Melbourne to get compliance. Sal? Mm. So, so is there no one in WA that can actually do the compliance of that particular type of combination for you? There is no... So in WA, there's actually no one that is actually... Um, how would you call it? So no they're one... Certified? No, no, they're, they're certified, but there's no one that's policing it. So, oh. and it's very... And it's very well known. So, so basically, they'll take your vehicle, they'll give you an invoice, but it not, literally nothing's done. Nothing is done. So you get your, your vehicle back, and so yeah, the the legs still leak. The, yeah. I mean, I, I picked up vehicles, and the same the bucket hasn't even been swept out. Right. And hey, I've had, Ruth. I, do you, yeah. Ruth, do you know um, Cam Dummacy from the Western Australian Trucking Association at all? No, I don't. I would suggest that you try and reach out to Cam. So he's the CEO over there of your trucking association. What, what's his name, Sal? Cam Dummacy, D-U-M-S-E-Y, I believe it is, Luke. Cam, Cam a really, Dumb- Cam's a really good guy. Yeah. Um, Western Roads Federation, I think it is, uh, Rod, if I'm correct. Uh, Ruth, I really think this is one that you could probably maybe try and reach out to Cam because he's locally based. And if there's an issue there, he's a very strong advocate of this sort of stuff. So you might be able to get some support out of, out of Cam, that, that's for sure. Um, I'm not sure, as you said, that I, I don't have a lot of influence in WA, as you would appreciate at the moment, because we're not the regulator there. But... I reckon you could have a, a go with Cam. And then if that doesn't work, Michael Boober from the Department of Main Roads over there looks after the heavy vehicle section. Um, he could be another avenue maybe to um, have a discussion with. So there's probably a couple of suggestions there, Luke, that maybe... Okay, Cam Damacy and Michael Boober. Cam, yeah. and what's, what's Cam's title again? So he's the chief executive of the Western Australian Trucking Association. The Western Australian Trucking Association. He's the chief executive. Yeah. All right, we'll try to uh, find uh, a, a contact. Um, but, um, Ruth, that's where you should be heading, okay? All right, West Australian. What was that, West Australian? The, who was Cam? Cam was... So Cam is the CEO of um, Western Roads Federation. And if you've got a pen... Yeah, yeah, I have a right. O four eight one. O four eight one. Zero six four. Three seven one. That's his mobile. Tell him Sal said hello. Yeah. Um, give him a holler. He's a very good ally for the heavy vehicle industry over there. Um, yep. I suggest you, you reach out to him and um, have a chat and see maybe he can help out. 
Oh, and the other one was Michael Boober, was it? Boo- yeah, M- Michael Boober's from the department. But if you reach out to Cam, Cam's yeah. got Michael Boober's details, so he's a very good link for you over there. Okay. All no, right, there you go, Thank Ruth. You. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're Thank welcome. you for your call. Um, yeah, my listeners in WA hear the hear the program on a delay because of the um, the time yeah. difference, and it's very very difficult. But um, I, I'd say Ruth had either set her alarm to ring at this time or she's listening online. But anyway, yeah. good call. Good good call. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Sam Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR, is with us. Steve's online for you, Sal. Uh, Steve, good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Hi, Steve. Hey, um, Steve. Like to just like to bring up that I recently received in the mail a $740 penalty um, that I disobeyed an instruction to enter the Mount White Waybridge on the Central Coast. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it happened back in August, so I don't recall the incident. Now, I did write a letter of review, but came back with a negative um, outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did say that I travel, I've been travelling through Waybridges thousands of times, so I know the protocol, and that the most likely scenario is that when I was travelling through, it was probably saying um, divert to highway, and the very last minute or very last second, it would have said um, divert to Waybridge, and I, pro- I probably would have thought that was for the vehicle behind me or vice versa. Um, mm. So... so um, the few points is that is that a common occurrence? And secondly, do you think I've been hard hard done by? And seeing now, thirdly, if I when I go to I'm going to have to take it to court, um, I'd say. And do you think I'd have a chance in court? Now, I did I did mention in the review that um, I do have a clean drive record. I've had a clean drive record for over five years. So. Yeah, unfortunately for me, yeah, I got back a negative outcome in the in the letter. Okay, so you would have been going, were you going northbound or southbound on Mount White? Uh, northbound. Northbound. So you would have been in the screening lane or did you miss the screening lane altogether and just stayed on the highway, mate? It uh, doesn't specify, but I, I, okay. I, 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 I highly doubt of, I highly doubt that I would have went straight through, the, straight past the um, the screening lane. Yeah, like I, but, uh, I find that um, very much the last second it, the sign changes. Like it, it might change from return to highway to divert to Waybridge, or you might come along and it says divert to Waybridge, and then it, at the very last second it would say return to highway. So yeah, what I'd it, say it, the scenario is that I've mistaken it from the for the vehicle behind or. I've mistaken it for the vehicle in front. Yeah, look, it, the way they work is that there's, there's three sort of lanes. You've got the, the main carriageway, you've got the screening lane that you'll come through, and then you've got the lane that actually goes into the bridge. If, if they divert you back to highway, you should still be on the screening lane. Uh, and if you're in the screening lane, you, you wouldn't have got the blister. It sounds like you might have missed the screening lane altogether. You said this was in August last year, was it, Steve? Yeah, but August last year, I just re- recently received the fine in the mail. So, obviously, I cannot recall the the evening that it happened uh, because, you know, because it's a while ago and I go through Waybridges like, oh, yeah. Like, Luke, every what, night. Luke, what I suggest yep. on this one, if um, Tom can get Steve's details, yep. 
If you can um, shoot them through to me later today, yep. um, and Steve, if you can um, maybe, or actually, we'll then contact you. I'll, I'll get my guys to have a look at it for you. I can't promise anything, but I'm happy to have a look at it just to see what's happened because we might be able to just clarify whether it was a screening lane issue or, or a, um, a pass on um, review. We do review these. It depends on the circumstances. Let me ask you this, Sal. If you've got someone like Steve and we take our callers on face value and Steve says he's got a, a, a clean record for five years, he sounds honest to me. If it is an innocent mistake, is there wriggle room in court, Sal, or is it pretty tough? Oh, look, if, it's a, if it is a, a genuine error, we would try and resolve this before you go to court because by the time you get to court, then you're, you're bound by the magistrate. Yes. Um, yes. And then I have no control over that outcome. It's really mm. up to the magistrate. In this situation, Luke, what we'd look at, we'd look at the situation, we, we'd probably review, review footage, mm. um, we'd make a determination whether the infringement should be pulled or not, and if it is, it would, ma- it would be done before you actually go to court. Okay, mediation. Um, All right, yeah. Steve, yeah. stay there. Thomas is going to get the details, and uh, we'll send this to Sal and the NHVR later today, okay? And we'll, we'll see what we can do to help. Thank you so much. Appreciate okay. it. Stay there, Steve. Don't go away. One triple three five three. Uh, we've only got Sal Petrosito for a short time. Rod Hannafy is staying with us for Truckee Tuesday. Um, uh, Luke, are you there? Yes, mate. Mate, I'm okay to do till um, one thirty Queensland time. How's that? An extra half an hour. Well, you better talk to um, you better talk to Rocket Rod. I mean, you're <laughs> you're infringing on his special time. Well, well if no, Rocket no. Rod's happy to have me for another half an hour, I can do another half an hour for you. Well, you're a top bloke, Sal. We really appreciate that. Rod, that um, Weybridge at uh, Mount White, gee, we get a lot of calls over that, don't we? We do, yes. And, uh, and it does depend on the speed you travel through there. And, and like yep. he said, though, it does happen at the last second. Um, and we have had a few that have missed it and even gone round again to go back through there. And that doesn't solve the problem, unfortunately. But thanks for looking into that one, Sal. Hey, Rod, just on that, um, would it help? Maybe if we just did a little bit more comms around how to, to travel through those particular sites. I think it's the speed, Sal. Like, you know, it yes. says, I think it's yeah. a 60 limit, isn't it? Um, and then you go through, and if you're sort of doing, I always go through about 45 or 50, because yeah. I don't want to get it to change at the last second. If yeah. you could just review the timing... Yep. Th- that, that that it's not changing at the last second or you get there and you think, oh, that's the bloke behind me like maybe our mate did. Yeah. If, if that could just be reviewed to make sure that that was working for the speed of the vehicles, that might solve half the problems. And, of course, um, Weybridges is something that you and I have discussed and we hope to have something yeah. coming out in the future about. Yeah. Right, look, that, that's a good suggestion. I'll have a chat to... Paul um, Salvati, who I know you guys have had on your show previously, um, and I'll discuss with him and we'll have a look at um, Mount White. Um, are you having similar issues with Maroolan Rod or is it predominantly just Mount White? I think it's mostly Mount White. Maroolan, I don't know whether it's just the placement, but mm-hmm. I've never really struck it as being as problematic uh, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what other callers say later on. But, yeah, the, the issues and blokes I've had complaint about previously, the tickets have come more from Mount White. So you'd know okay. that as well, which which comes uh, yeah. which comes up more often. 
Yeah, all right. We'll have a look at that, Rod, and see whether there's some stuff we might be able to get out there to industry to give some bit, bit more advice. Well, look, yep. uh, nearly every truckie listening to us now has to go through way bridges at one point. If there are problems with way bridges, can you, can you give us a call while we've got Sal here? Sal Petrocito, CEO of the NHVR. Call us now, one triple three five three on Truckee Tuesday, and we'll try and – I mean, you've got to communicate. You've got to tell us. I've got um, Sean, who's emailed. Hey, Luke, could you ask Sal if there are plans to make obtaining a logbook easier for us drivers, maybe putting them in 24-hour truck stops and at way bridges? That's from Sean. Sal, does, uh, Rod's still with me. Rod, Sal, what do you make of this email? Yeah, good, good question. Um, Rod sort of knows my position on this one, um, Luke, at the moment. I think, I think it's time that we take the trucking sector out of paper and we move them fully into the digital age. And with the advent now of an electronic work diary, which is a lot more affordable, can be downloaded at any time, removes, you know, infringements that might relate to spelling mistakes. I get mm-hmm. what I get. What Sean's saying, and, and I'm happy to look at it. There are some legislative requirements because we actually don't sell the books. The books are actually sold by the jurisdictions on our behalf. But you know, I, I think the book is outdated. I think the smarter tech now, and I'd love to hear Rod's view on this, is really the electronic work diary, which removes a whole lot of issues that the drivers keep telling me they have. And, and primarily between the two enforcement agencies, Luke, it, it just removes all those issues. Oh. Yeah, look, it sounds right, um, and, and I was reluctant at the start, and, and we've done it the right way in Australia. It was made mandatory in America. Uh, it's still an option here to do either. Uh, I agree with what he says. As a perfect example, Sal, I don't know how long since you've been to Narrabri, but at Service New South Wales, there is car parking off the street, and yep. I specifically asked the Narrabri Council, would they give us the one spot in front of the office... Yeah. So that going northbound, we could pull in there if they made it truck only, so we could walk in, and they wouldn't do that. And that's one of the problems mm. if you're in a loaded B double trying yeah. to get to a like in Dubbo, you can't get anywhere yeah. near the one in Dubbo. And and if you've got to get one and you run out, well then you're really in trouble getting one. And we know you can yep. get them from Glen Rowan on the Hume. Yep. That's been a long-standing arrangement. But maybe there's a couple of other sites. If you can't do it on the Waybridges for a reason, mm. maybe there's at least one or two alternatives we could come up with. But the ELD solves the problem. Yeah, um, Rod, I'm happy. I'm happy to take that one, and we'll have a look um, to see what's possible around the, the, the written one. But you know, I, I really, I really appreciate your comments in terms of where that electronic records now moving. I, I think it solves a lot of those issues that the drivers have been telling me for a number of years. And all we, we hope that the HVNL review solves a few more, mate, with a little a little bit of luck. All right. This is oh. great. This is great conversation. Rod Hanafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association, as usual. He is the um, the chairman of Truckee Tuesday. I'm just a passenger. I'm, I'm a, a co-passenger. What am I? Well, you're not a two-up driver because I'm not a two-up driver. Not in order. I'm not a two-up driver, <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a passenger. Um, and Sal Petrosita, CEO of the NHVR, is with us. Lots of people online wanting to talk to you, Sal. We appreciate you giving us a little bit more time. We'll come back and we'll talk. Rod, we'll come back after this, shall we?
Ten four, good buddy. No, the night shift, Triple M. Trucky Tuesday here on the night shift, and Sal uh, Petrosino is happy to stay with us for another half hour because he's on Queensland time. Hey, listen, <clears throat> are you affected by the rain? I tell you what, we've got a problem with mosquitoes in this country, and mosquitoes can breed deadly disease. So if you're like me, and you cannot stand these pesky summer invaders, and we're talking about flies and mozzies, this is something that you need to hear. Now, I recently discovered this game changer from my very good friend, Andrew, Andrew Fennell. He is the boss and owner of Pestrol. And I've known him for 20 years, and every single one of his products is just excellent and comes with a money-back guarantee and a warranty. But this is the game changer when it comes to flies and mozzies. It's called the Executioner XXL, Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L. This is the biggest fly and mozzie executioner in their range. It's a bad boy. It is the big daddy of fly and mozzie zappers. And let me tell you, it doesn't just repel them and annihilates them. And it does it fast. And guess what? It has a 300-meter square coverage. And here's the kicker. If you order the execution, the XXL now, they're going to throw in this fantastic tennis racket zapper for free. It's a saving of 30 bucks. Now, this costs $149, folks, but remember, it also comes with uh, home delivery anywhere in Australia, comes with a warranty, and it comes with the tennis racket mozzie zapper for free. But it's only for the next 10 orders. He's only got 10 of these rackets. So for the next 10 orders, you head to Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, pestrol.com.au. Order the Executioner XXL, and you'll get the tennis racket mozzie zapper thrown in. Free delivery Australia-wide. Now, there is a code. It's BONA, B-O-N-A. That's all you need, B-O-N-A. But you've got to hurry. Only 10 of these for today, and stocks are running low. Don't let flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Grab the Executioner XXL and enjoy the great outdoors pest-free. Pestrol.com.au. Everything you need for your home and garden, money back guarantee. Break me back. Okay, plenty of people online. We've only got Sal for a, a short time. Just quickly before we go back to Sal and his callers, Rod Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association. Where is Rodney? Um, Rodney? Yes. Um, at the last census, the town that you're at had a population of 330 people. There you go. And is approximately 425 kilometres west of Sydney. Hmm. Okay? Sounds good. Yep. That's our first clue. Where's, where's, where's Rocket Rod Hanafi T-shirt for the winner? I need the exact town where he's pulled over this morning. Sal Petrosito, CEO of the NHVR, is with us. And... Um, Pete, your next caller. G'day, Pete. How are we, gentlemen? We're both fantastic. Thank you, Pete. Talk directly to Sal. Uh, G'day, Sal. I, uh, no, no, just on 
Just on our last caller, uh, sorry, not the last call, the one before, Mount White, um, yeah, that is a big issue there with the way they've got the sign flicking back and forth. It'd be great yeah. if they could just hold it on, go out, uh, back out to the highway until they wanted you and then just flick you in. And I think that would save a lot of confusion. It's just, they, they often have it so that it, it just always flicks back to uh, drive in, you know, end of Weybridge. And mm-hmm. then as you go under the camera, it'll uh, flick you back at the last minute out to the highway. I've, I've had the mistake myself gone in and almost told me, I oh, know I wanted the guy behind you. Um, yet I was watching the three blokes in front of me and it had done the same thing. And um, look, I've seen it a thousand times. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know a lot of guys get real nervous when they see it flick back. Do I turn out or do I go in? You know, yeah. So yeah. they held it on go back to highway until they actually wanted you and only flicked you in if they wanted you. That'd save a lot of lot of confusion, I think. Good call. But, uh, right. Yeah, but yeah. Look, the reason I was that. sorry. Yep. No, I was going to say thanks for that. I'll, I'll get the guys to have a look at that. I, I understand your issues, and I'll see what we can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, look, I understand. So it, it, we're all pretty close together. There's only thirty metres distance to yeah. some sixty, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things. You know, you just got to be on the ball with it, I guess. Yep. But, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I've, I've sort of learnt. Well, not the hard way. It wasn't too bad going in. They didn't. I was all good. But um, yeah, I, I can see how old mate made the mistake there. And, and just yeah. on, if he's still listening, um, when you do go to court. Please, if if after you do speak to him and you have a look into it and see on camera whether he did go through or not, uh, plead guilty and seeking clemency. And that's where his good record's going to come into him. It's worked well for me, um, red light cameras and things like that. Um, mm. you, you, look, you, you, you do something wrong, you do something wrong, and you can't plead not guilty if you did it wrong. But uh, yeah. if you've got a good record and you've got a decent reason for it, um, good, good chance. See, depending on the judge, you get, I suppose, or the magistrate. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. yeah you're right, mate. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the the reason I did ring was North Connects Tunnel. When they opened that up, um, there was a pamphlet given out actually at Mount White, um, and it was saying how oversized couldn't use that tunnel. Um, it, it yeah, it is a little bit confusing with, uh, um, but if you do read it properly and carefully, you will realise if you. Basically, they're trying to keep trucks off uh, uh, Pennant Hills Road. So mm-hmm. uh, um, I do understand the pants that we've been given, but I, I honestly don't know how long ago it was, but it wasn't too long ago. They changed the signs, all the signs leading to the tunnel. Now, instead of saying oversized, they say over height. Um, yeah. Now, to, I understand you don't want to have something that's 3.4 wide going through the tunnel, um, but I'll, if you were under three metres, I, I, I mean, to me, it seems it's fine to go through. But, I mean, I've, I've rung up NHVR, I've rung up um, Linked. Uh, you really struggled in NHVR did do a bit of researching for me and, and sort of came back to me. I've looked online. Basically, they'd just gone by that old document when it first opened. And, mm. and again, that's the only one that's online as well. But I was just wondering whether you could find out, with the change of signage, have they changed it? I mean, as I say, I can understand 3.4 metres, you don't want them going through. But yep. three metres or less, less than three yep. metres, I should say. So basically, so you don't have to have your flashes on. Um, you're inside your lane. It would save a lot of grief when it comes to um, curfews, you know. It would yep. get it through Sydney. Mm-hmm. In you know the, the later months of the year. Yep, yep. No, very yeah. good point, Pete. Sal, hey, 
Yeah, um, Pete, good question. Um, now, the reason they reverted to um, vehicle height was because of all those over-height issues they were having in New South Wales. So Minister Graham um, was really keen to get the message out there around over-height trucks in tunnels. And I'm really pleased to say, Luke, that the industry actually has improved its performance and mm. it's much better. We'll, I'll get my guys to have a chat to Transport for New South Wales slash the tunnel operator and see what sort of messaging we might need to be able to, to get back on around um, width. Um, I wasn't aware that they'd removed it when they did the tunnel height, but I understand it. So I'll take that one on notice, Luke, and um, see what okay. we can find out. All right, Pete, thank you very much for your call. We can we, we understand we've got to keep moving through because Sal's only here for a short time, but a very, very good call. Thank you so much. Um, before I go to the next call, though, uh, Sal, you wanted to talk about how the NHVR is addressing um, language barriers. Yeah, it was, it was just Dave's um, call earlier when he notified us of that accident. It was good to hear that those young kids were all well. We, we've identified that this driver cohort is multilingual and, and in, is needing to get more information. So what we've done, Luke, is we're now starting to do messaging in um, multi-languages Indian, Chinese, Arabic, because we understand that that driver cohort is now getting to be a bit diverse. So our website now actually has a lot more information. We're preparing banners to inform them. Uh, we're actually encouraging these various cultural um, background drivers to, to reach out to us. So we're, we're trying to do the best we can to start to get that message but out. But that caller was also frustrated. It, it didn't seem as though the trucks going past that accident at a great rate of knots it seemed as though they weren't listening to the UHF. Yeah, and look, we're aware of that. Um, and as you would appreciate, Luke, I think there's been some issues, you know, over the period around that. So we're working on that. We're trying to encourage them that, you know, it is a medium that can be used. Um, so we're doing our little bit in that space to hopefully try and get that message out. I also just wanted to let all the listeners know that if they did need to contact us, um, you can get us at 13NHVR, so 136487. That's our contact centre number. We uh, operate our contact centre at the moment between 8 and 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. Have you got an email? Yeah, info at nhvr.gov.au, so I-N-F-O at nhvr.gov.au. And Luke, one of the things that I am currently doing, um, I've asked my chief operations officer to just look at our contact centre operational hours to see whether maybe we can start to extend them. Because we understand that this industry doesn't stop at five o'clock. We understand that this industry works 24-7. So we're looking at how we can start to become uh, more contactable at various hours. You know, no difference to what I'm doing with you now. Um Damien, who couldn't wait on, says, he's from Bellina, wants to ask why road, train, speed limits are different in every state. Uh, great question, Damien. And if I could answer the issue of federation, we'd all be bloody better off. Um, it, is, it is something that is state-determined. Um, there's normally that speed differential of about 10 k's. We've started a body of work to try and see whether we can get the jurisdictions to agree in lifting to get them all up at common speed. These newer trucks now have the ability to take grades. Their stopping distances are better. 
So there is a body of work currently afoot, Luke, that will hopefully try and get all vehicles at a common speed. We actually think that the speed differential is actually not safe. So it is a discussion we're currently having with the state agencies to see whether we can fix that. Yeah, Damien. Damien might get the T-shirt and he hasn't even rung in. So <laughs> you got a question for Sal. Jump on board now. Brody, hello. How you going, Luke? Good, Brody. Sal's there. How are you going? Hey, Brody. Uh, this one's for Sal. Sal, so recently been looking into it regarding um, like heavy vehicle maxing out your hours like on 12, 14, or AFM on 17. So my query is, how come you can step out of a vehicle, heavy vehicle, max out your hours, but still get in a company vehicle and drive like a light vehicle and drive around? Yeah, good. Really, really good question, Luke. Um, th- there's actually um, a fair bit of discussion currently going on as part of the broader review of the heavy vehicle law around fatigue and what is, in effect, uh, a fatigue-regulated vehicle and what constitutes work and what activities uh, you might do outside of driving the truck. As you would appreciate, um, that's some pretty significant change that would need to be implemented. But you raise a really good point, mate. Because um, you know, it's like you're still associated with a heavy vehicle. Like yeah. you can go and you can go and do your 14 hour day, and you know if you've got multiple drivers per truck, you know, and a company tells you to pull over, you pull over, and another yeah. driver comes out and swaps drivers and you get in their company vehicle to drive back to the depot but you still got to drive back to the depot yeah plus get in so, your work your home vehicle and go home yeah so look what what we're really uh suggesting is that these operators really do need to give consideration to the well-being of the driver they really should be doing the appropriate checks to ensure that you know the driver is fit for duty is okay to drive i suppose there's some learnings that might come out of the connect logistics prosecution that was um, held in Victoria around the obligations that those, you know, um, compliance managers do or don't um, follow through. You raised some really good points, um, Brody, around just the way we approach it. And as I said, I would just encourage all operators to ensure that they're across their obligations under the chain of responsibilities and the primary duties pieces. For a driver... I would encourage you guys in the situation where you are buggered to just stop and have that rest. And if you feel that you're getting pressured, use our confidential reporting line, drop us a a line, let us know what's going on. We're always happy to have a look to ensure that uh, you guys aren't put under undue pressure. Thanks for your call, Brady. It's a very, very good good point. Um, before I go to your next caller, just this has got nothing to do with the NHVR, but just for your information, this is how this is how frustrating it is. I had a phone caller from an Uber Eats driver a few weeks ago. Rod Rod Hannafield will remember this. And uh, where was he? He was in Townsville, so he was in regional Australia and driving mm-hmm. and driving overnight. And he said, after twelve hours, Uber switches him off. Because he, he's driven his 12 hours. But then he was he was clicking over to another food delivery driving service and driving for another 12 hours. And he, yeah. and he, he listed four of them, Thomas, didn't he? Four food delivery service apps that he drives for. And if he's struggling to put food on his family's table and pay his rent, yeah. 
he'll just keep driving and he swaps yeah. from app to app. It, 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 it's a worry, Luke. Um, and it's one area where we have we have some control because of the obligations that you should be doing that proper driver check, right? But once they're out, you've got no idea. Um, And and it is concerning because I think while we're seeing improvement in fatigue, it is still one of the key issues that worries not only the regulator, but the police agencies. And, Mm. you know, and I think rightly so probably should worry everyone that's on the road. Well, it's not a trucking issue, but it is an issue because you've got this driver and he seemed like a really nice bloke. Um, Mm. But you've got, I wonder how many other food delivery drivers are doing exactly that and they're on our roads and they're fatigued. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nathan's online. G'day, Nathan. Hi, how you going? Good. Sal's there. What did you want to say? Hey, Nathan. Oh, just, um, there you go, mate. I was just bringing in regards to the uh, NHBR rules for oversight curfews in different states, mate. Like, they're, all, they're all different, but yet yep. it's supposed to be a nationally regulated um, thing. Yeah. So as I said earlier, Nathan, um, the way the, the heavy vehicle law works, the, the state road agencies still have the final say on what can or can't move on a road network. We've been working pretty closely with them to try and get them to align so that very issue that you've raised at least is consistent. So if you're in New South Wales and you drive and you don't get sent to the Queensland border and get caught, um, we've had some small wins. But there's a lot more work to do. Um, a number of the states have signed up to the Oversize Over Mass Gazette notice. Um, if you use that document, you'd know, you know, there's some alignment. But then you get into Queensland and there's some challenges. Curfews yeah, is still right. a, a really big issue across the board, not only in Oversize Over Mass, but even in, you know, general freight. There's more work being done to try and see whether there can be better harmonisation. But but I hear your pain, mate. Um, we endeavour to try and get sensible conditions um, when we do issue permits from road agencies. We, we'll just continue to negotiate with them to try and get, you know, a common approach so you guys get some, you know, consistency when you're driving all over the place. It's a good call, Nathan. I hope that answers it, but I've got to keep moving because Sal's got to go soon. Thank you for your call. Uh, Sam's online. G'day, Sam. Sal's there. Hey, how you going, fellas? Hey, Sam. I'll just say, yeah, with um, Mount White, southbound's fine, northbound, it's always on um, pull in and then they flick you back out at the last second and it's a real pain in the ass. Um, but with Cancool, just on the other side of my run by range. Yep. There's warning light, warning amber lights when it's open 1.2k before the way station, which is on the northbound side only. Yeah, yeah. Now, they don't flick them on all the time, and not, sometimes I'm going out there at 80 tonne, and I, I need to know at the top of that hill that that's open so I can keep that speed right down, or I'm going to go in there with my brake smoke and trying to pull it up into that way yeah. station. And yep. the other problem with it is, is when you're loaded coming back out, You've got to go from the northbound side to the southbound side, fully loaded across four lanes, and some of the cars don't slow down coming down that hill. I know the cops are out there, but yeah. it's a bit bit dangerous when you're queued out onto the highway and you, you can't see the north the southbound traffic coming because there's trucks to the left because there's that many being pulled in from the roadworks at uh, Willow Tree. 
Mm-hmm. So you're relying on the other truckies to tell you whether it's clear or not, or you've just got to sit there and no one can come in because you can't get out. Hey, Sam, did you say the Cancool one or the Mount Boyce one? No, Cancool on the northbound Can- side of Marundai Range. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, I'll, I'll have a look at, I'll get the guys to have a look at that around appropriate warnings. The Mount White northbound more prominent than Mount White southbound, so... Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll southbound's at... always on return to highway and they'll, mm-hmm. and they'll flick you in, where yep. northbound is always on go in and they'll flick you out at the last second. And like old mate said, you don't know, you're right on it because yep. it's got the weigh-in-motion sensor right before it. Yeah. And, and yeah, you, you, sometimes you like to go in, do I go out? What yeah. am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, left to the last minute. But yeah, southbound, if they ran it like southbound, it would be a lot better. Good on you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Sam's a regular contributor to the program. We appreciate you, Sam. You drive carefully, buddy. Do, mate. I'm heading your way. Okay, Sam. You take care. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Listen, I'm going to make Dave your last caller, but okay. we are. For, this is for Sal, but Rod Hannafy is hanging in there, and we are going to continue Trucky Tuesday for the last half hour. You're going to call for Rod Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association. Call through now because we're going to give away that T-shirt at the top of the hour when we do the quickie. Um, Dave is there. Dave, you're talking to Sal Petrosito. Yeah, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Dave. Um, Back in uh, 2020, I reported a multinational company that I was working for. Um, Didn't realise at the time just how bad things were there. Anyway, after your initial or your investigation... We were told um, that it was caused troubles with the HR department and you just issued them a correction notice because you said they'd only tie us up in court for years. So that's mm. a big slap in the face for drivers. Do you understand what he's saying, Sal? I, I sort of do, um, without knowing the details on the actual company, um, it's a bit hard, Luke. Um, what I can say is from 2020 to where we are now, um, I've pretty well tripled my investigative um, powers and staff. I've also now established an off-roads investigations team, and I also now have actually full control to a um, big team of prosecutors. If Dave um, believes that this particular entity is still not behaving properly, I would strongly encourage him to contact our confidential reporting line with more details because I now have more capability to follow this one up. All right, Dave, will you do that? Uh, well, I, I walked out of that company after only eight weeks and my initial trying to get the NHVR to actually investigate it here in Adelaide, they were reluctant. Uh, okay. Um, okay. And, but it was a nationwide problem. They, they had people in Queensland working three hours into their seven-hour break, and you, you issued them with a, just a correction notice. And as I told the investigator that flew down from Queensland to interview me, yep. that sooner or later somebody would tap her on the shoulder and tell her to stop doing what she's doing. And that's what it appears happened. They got mm-hmm. away with, like, what HR has nothing to do with compliance. No. What a, what a poor excuse. So somebody somewhere, because it's a big multinational company, 
and just a slap in the face for us drivers because it's supposed to be about road safety. And mm. I, I don't believe it is. I, I believe it's about revenue. Uh, I can guarantee you it's not about revenue because I don't get it. Um, all penalty revenue actually goes back to the state, so there's actually no real incentive for me to issue infringements. Um, and in prosecutional sense, it all depends on how the, the matter goes before the courts. I may be awarded costs towards us or we may not. So um, I, I think the issue on this one, Dave, as I said earlier, my investigative um, capabilities have significantly improved since 2020. Um, if, those, if you believe those matters might still be afoot, and I know it's hard because you've actually left the company, but if there's someone that still resides or you know that still works in that company and they've got concerns, I would encourage them to contact our confidential reporting line. Okay, Dave, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you for your call. He's heard you. He's heard you. And I can hear the hurt in his voice. Um, mm. Rod Hannafy, president of the national, um, of the, what are you? The <laughs> president of the National Road Traders Association. Association. I know, I've got so many titles here in front of me. Um, very good to, for you to bring Sal on, Rod. And Sal, thank you for giving us so much time. There's a, obviously a lot of interest, a lot of, lot of questions out there, but there were some good calls there that, that today. Yeah, there were. Look, there, there was some good stuff in that. And um, and as Rod knows, um, I do take the um, the call seriously and we will follow up. And with Thomas getting me that other detail, um, we'll come back to you. And, and Rod, I'll say it on air, you might even get me on again. How's that? <laughs> good on you, mate. And we look forward to you being at uh, Shepparton on Saturday as well, Sal. Yeah, I will. And, and Luke, can I just say... Um, the industry has a really great bloke in Rod Hannafy. His commitment to safety, his commitment to ensuring that the owner-driver gets a fair go uh, is so commendable. I have a lot of time for this fella. And if Rod raises an issue, he's normally thought it through very carefully and you want to give it thought. So um, a lot of time for him and I am looking forward to spending the weekend with him in Shepparton and um, his members. Good on you, Sal. Nice to talk to you. We'll get you back on sometime soon, eh? All right. Good night, guys. Thanks for listening. Sal Sal Petrosito, the CEO of the NHVR. Rod, you're staying with me. Folks, 13353, Rod will continue to answer your calls and your queries uh, on 13353. You can phone through now. Rod, you have parked your Kenworth somewhere in New South Wales. You are... 425 kilometres west of Sydney. Um, at the 2011 census, where you are, had a population of 330 people. There are other clues. Let's see how we go. Where's Rod? If you get it right, we need it exactly right. Uh, you want a Triple M T-shirt. And Rod, also before we finish Trucky Tuesday today, uh, you're going to announced the winner of the Truckee Tuesday T-shirt. Have you, out of those calls to Sal, have you got a favourite yet? Are you thinking about it? There's a couple of good ones in there and a couple that we'll follow up on, so uh, that's really good. And, and I'm hiding amongst a heap of trucks, mate, so maybe some of them are listening. <laughs> All right, so you are hiding amongst a, a number of trucks. All right, well, we will take a break, and uh, what we'll do is we'll come back and take some more calls. Truckee Tuesday, Rod Hannafy is with us. This is the Night Shift on Triple M. In excess here on the night shift, one triple three five three is the phone number. Rod Hannafy is here with us for a little bit longer. 
Um, if you've got to, to, if you want to talk to Rod about trucking issues, if you drive for a living, please feel free to ring through. But Sal had to go. Now, Aussie hoses. God, did we love our Aussie hoses over the last few weeks when it's been incredibly hot. And we've used them to wash the car, to water the lawn, to put new plants in. It's the best hose ever made. It is the best hose, in my opinion, on the market. Aussie hoses. And you've heard me talk about them over the years. The bloke in charge of Aussie hoses is Aussie Dave, who we've spoken to. And he and his team, they're plumbers. They, I mean, they're, they're actual old-fashioned plumbers who discovered and developed this hose and its housing. And, and it auto-retracts back into its housing if you click it to one side. But these hoses are delivered and installed anywhere in Australia. And they'll install them onto a brick wall if you want. They can put the brand new tap on if that's what you want, the lever, the lever tap. Um, and this is a big plus. If you order your bonus, your Aussie hose, you get a bonus trigger nozzle. And once again, this is for 10 callers this morning. If you're one of the first 10 callers, you get the trigger nozzle, plus you're going to get a 25-meter hose for the price of the 20-meter hose, saving you all up a total of 130 bucks, and it comes fully installed with a two-year warranty. So there's no more wrestling with messy, tangled, kinking garden hoses. And just one little click, and the auto hose retracts quickly and easily into its housing. It is so good. Best hose on the market. Don't miss this offer. But there's only 10. You get 25 metres for the price of the 20 metre. one 384165 Leave a message, secure your booking, or visit aussiehoses.com.au. aussiehoses.com.au. Five extra metres of hose for free. We have three of these hoses and we love them. Wouldn't be without them. This is the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Trucky Tuesday continues after this. So Rod Hanafi's had a bit of a bludge uh, tonight, folks. So put him to work now. He's had nothing to do except sit in his truck and listen to Sal. Um, what else did you do? Did you do a crossword? <laughs> did you play backgammon on your phone? What did you do? No, no, no. I listened in intently. I know you and, did. Uh, I yeah, know yes. you did. I know you did. Where's Rodney? Um, Andrew's in Newcastle. He might have it. G'day, Andrew. Where's Rodney? Rodney is in Molong, I think. Rodney? No, no, oh. wrong road. No, <laughs> S- sorry, Andrew. Steve, where's Wadney? Hello? Yes, yeah, Steve, talk. I was going to say Molong as well. No, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Rodney is in New South Wales. He's in central west New South Wales. The town he's in, at the 2011 census had a population of 330. And I'm going to give it away here, I think, Rod. Um, have, you got a clue that will, have you got a clue that won't give it away? Ooh, You're hopeless um, at this. Well, it, it's a very important place for truckies looking at cameras. Oh. 
It's a very important place for truckies looking in cameras. At cameras. At looking at cameras. At cameras. Yes. Okay. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, Rod, another Rod. Good day. Good day, Luke. Where are you, Rod? Um, hey, I'm. Uh, to be honest, I, oh yeah, that's where I am. I'm on the way to. Uh, are you driving a truck at the moment? Yeah, yeah. And you don't know where you are. That's a worry, Rod. <laughs> Black out here, and there's no signs around. You tell me where I am. Oh, we're going to guess where you are. Yeah. Where's there's two? Where's Rodney's? <laughs> Rodney, talk to Rod. I'm on, a, I'm on a road and there's no signs around telling me where I am. So I know I'm heading towards Melbourne, but I don't know exactly where. Oh, uh, yeah, just going past the Fiery Creek Park, okay. Um, anyway, Rod, what I wanted to know is, have you got another conference coming up some other time during the year? Well, mate, at this stage, NRFA only has one a year and we've got it coming up in Shepparton next weekend. Yeah, I know. I was going to go to it, but the roster got changed to work, and um, there won't be enough hours in the weekend for me to do my job and go to the conference. And ah. Unfortunately, going to the conference doesn't pay the bills. No, no, I can relate to that. But uh, no, mate, we only do one a year, and at this stage, there'll be an announcement at this one as to where we are next year. So. Um, obviously, you know, the, we've got people, we will invite you to participate in the association at any time. And if you're not already a member, mate, come and sign up and then we'll uh, we'll keep you involved. Yeah, I wanted to be at this one this weekend because I had a fair bit I wanted to ask the people from the, from the NHVR. Well, it's a pity mm. you couldn't well, get on the sale, but what's... what's, what's, uh, no, what's I, I, I didn't ring to speak to Sal because it would have taken up the whole program of what I wanted to talk to him about, Luke. Else. Okay, all right. Is there is there something you'd like to ask Rod? Have you got Rod here? No, no I just wanted to ask him when the, when the okay. next conference was going to be because I can't get to this one now. All right. Okay, he's answered your question. Rod, thanks for your call. Good luck to getting where you are considering you have no idea where you are at the moment. Uh, one, one, I'm amazed at all this feedback we're getting about the Mount White Way Station, Rod Hannafy. So I had no idea. I, all I do know is you and I have received calls about the Mount White Way Station um, for years now. So what the lights tell you, there's a sign that says come in, then there's a light that says go back on the highway. What's the story? Yes. So one, when the way bridge is open, there's a green sign on the highway and you must divert into the way bridge. If you don't divert into the way bridge, they have cameras that are out on the highway that say you haven't gone into the way bridge and you get a $1,200 fine or old mate said it was 700 for avoiding the way bridge. But when you go in there, you go through a sort of a, a, a pathway, and it's a thing called, the one at Marillion is a thing called truck scan. It measures all your truck and everything. And as you go through it, there is a speed limit on it, but you get to the end of it, and it either says return to highway, mm -hmm. which means you've gone through that slip lane that Sal was talking about, and then you go join back on the highway, or it says divert to Weybridge, which means you must drive into the actual Weybridge itself. Mm. Now, because of the speed limit on it, because of the fact that it goes backwards and forwards, and as our caller who, who might get the shirt was the bloke that explained, if they had it the other way around, 
that it stayed on divert to highway unless they wanted you in rather than every individual truck it tries to go back to say divert to Weybridge till you've then read all the parameters it's checked your truck made sure it's compliant and then it spits you back out on the highway so the Weybridge doesn't actually need to weigh every truck it's random is it it well when you drive through that driveway depending on which bridge you're on some measure more than others um, the truck scan one at Marula, the main one on the Hume, it measures height, weight, length, and width. Mm-hmm. The one at Mount White certainly measures weight. It gives them a guide, so it's got a weigh-in-motion pad, and that gives them a guideline. And if you're you know, within parameters and it thinks that you're okay, it will say divert back out onto no, the highway. I got you. Yep. So, so it, measures, it, measures, it, it can weigh you while you're moving. Yes, way in motion. Your way in motion. Thank you. Thank you. I can't, I've just learned something. Um, I've got a strange call here from Ben. Let's see where this is going to lead. Ben, what's the problem? Hi, right, mate. How are you going? Good. Um, just want to talk about fatigue. Um, about half an hour ago, yes. I've left work. I've had to wake up a young girl who was asleep behind the wheel at a roundabout and... I think we should really have to deal with that stuff. Well, Hang on, whereabouts was this? Uh, this was at Summersby. Summersby. And what, her car was up on the roundabout? No, she was parked at the roundabout. Her foot was off the accelerator, foot on the brake, her foot up on the chair, and she was dead asleep in the middle of the road. She's asleep behind the wheel in the middle of the road. Uh, do you, what sort of car was it? Uh, it was a, a white MG. Um, I managed to wake her up after 10 minutes of knocking. I had to give her a bit of a shake to wake her up. So she's fallen asleep at the wheel? Yeah. But she's fallen asleep and her foot's come off the accelerator? Yeah. And she's she's jammed up against the roundabout? No, no. She was just parked at the, the end of the roundabout, um, basically where you'd, you'd start to leave your, leave your lane to turn the corner. Roundabout. Okay, so what I'm trying to establish is, did it look like she'd crashed? Or has she deliberately stopped the car to sleep? No, she had, well, she's just stopped the car and thinks she's just fallen asleep. Rod, can you take over? <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, you, you, what, you come up behind her and thought, why is she still sitting here? And you've sort of waited a little while and thought something's going on here. And for all you know, she could have actually uh, passed out or something. Like, yeah, that could have been yeah, even worse. had a medical episode. She was only asleep. Yeah. That's exactly what's happened. Like, I've... I've given her a flash, nothing happened, gave her a bit of a toot, and I was like, all right. So I hopped out of the car, hopped out of the truck, and then um, walked over to her and seeing that she was, like, passed out in the chair. So I've been, I was knocking on the, on the car because I didn't want to touch her, Then nothing was working. So I had to give her a tap on the shoulder to wake her up, startled her away, and, that, and I managed to get her to move to go around the roundabout and park on the side of the road. Um, lucky, yes, he's lucky. Somebody didn't run into the back of him, mate. Literally. But, yeah. um, I, I, I have notified the police to come out and, and to check on her, but... I... Okay. That's a strange one, isn't it, Rod? Mate, funnier things have happened, um, but that's it. You know, you, we, we are often a first responder in some way to things. You know, we're the ones that turn up on the scene of accidents and quite often aren't recognised for the fact that, that we do help people out. And 
I think I've certainly said to you before, mate, we certainly get blamed when things go wrong, but we don't get recognised for the good stuff that we do and, and our actions do save lives on the highway. They do indeed. And this is where, and I know Sove are sponsors of mine, but um, sleep apnea, it can lead to micro-sleeps behind the wheel, can't it, Rod? Well, she had more than a micro-sleep. She had more than a micro-sleep. But w- w- women can have sleep apnea. Mm. If you want to get yourself tested, Sove, S-O-V-E, they can bulk bill your testing. They can put you in touch with the best CPAP machines. And if you, look, you know if you feel fatigued before you should. And it's probably because while you're sleeping, you're not getting the best sleep because you have sleep apnea. Get tested. Visit the experts. Sove.com.au and always check with your doctor um, and, and see if a CPAP uh, treatment is right for you. But Sove, S-O-V-E. Have you ever driven a long rod? Because I've done this going home, I, especially when I first started this gig. And I, I, I'd be driving along. And I'd suddenly say to myself, how did I get here? Has that ever happened to you? No, look, I, I suppose uh, because I listen to audio books and things like that and, and I know where I'm going and, and that I, I don't like to get to that point. At that point, you know, you've, you've obviously had uh, a loss of concentration. So uh, it, it's bad enough in a car. You don't want to be doing that in a truck. So what I did was there was a, there's a BP, which is about exactly halfway home. It's well lit, has CCTV cameras. And I would just pull up there. I had a pillow in my back seat and I would just have a nap for 10 minutes and it made all the difference. And it, it, I had to have the discipline to do that because remember I was working a new shift, new hours that I'd never done yes. before. And it took a lot of getting used to. What do you say to truckies who are working night shift for the first time? Mate, it, it's, it's something that's hard. You don't know what that limit is till you reach it. And, of course, then if there's nowhere to stop where you are, that's a problem because we can't just pull up in the middle of the road and mm. put the hazards on and go to bed. You'll pull up at a roundabout. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so the thing is you, you've got to have some idea where you can stop. And, you know, you're talking about what, what they class as a power nap. Uh, if you have more than 20... Some people sort of start into that REM sleep and then it's very hard. You actually come back out of it feeling more tired oh, than yes, you did yes. at the start. Um, and back in the days when I did it, mate, I, I used to carry a pillow and I'd have 15 minutes over the wheel. Just put my head down over the steering wheel, off the side of the road, mm. and that was enough to get you to a proper parking bay where you could sleep. Mm. And some of the time, you know, other blokes will get out, walk around the truck, kick the tyres, look at the stars. Mm. Yep, I feel okay now, and I can make it to my next stop or the parking bay, whatever it might be. But mm. we've got to have those facilities because you can't do it in the middle of the road. You can't pull up on the shoulder in places. If we've got nowhere to stop, how do you manage it? Because it does at times come on you fairly quickly. Uh, one triple three five three. do you need a power nap before you have your, re- your, your proper sleep? How do you, what do you do? And, and you're right, 10 minutes any longer and you come out feeling groggy. You're, you're 100% yep. right, Rod. Hey, listen, Rod, we'll come back and we'll talk some more. Are you up for that? 10 for good, buddy. Come on, you've had a massive bludge tonight. <laughs> you massive bludge. Oh, jeez, mate. I'll tell you, it was a long night in Melbourne last night with that traffic. We have to talk about that. G'day, Troy. 
Hey, how are you, Luke? I'm good, Troy. Where are you? I'm just south of Balfour. Of where? Balfour. I can't. South of Balfour. It's a very bad line, Troy. I can't hear you, mate. Troy, why did you ring? I wanted to have a guess where I thought Rod might Yeah, where's Wadney? Where's Wadney? Pete Hill. Rod. Getting close, huh? Pete Hill. Getting close, but no cigar. Close, but no. Well, it's a dreadful line, Troy. You've got to let you go, but no. But it's very, very close. One triple three five three is the number. We will take a break. We'll come back. Rod Hannafy's with us for a little bit longer on Trucky Tuesday here on Triple M. Okay, uh, Dean's online. Dean? G'day, Luke. How you going, mate? I'm good, buddy. By the way, the quickie, a little bit later than usual today. We'll do it after Rod. Right, but the, a brand new quickie coming up after Rod Hannaford. Yes, sorry. Go, Dean. Uh, I just want to have a guess where Rod is. You go on. Uh, I think he's at luck now. Rod? Fortunately. Hello? Yeah. Yes, Rod? No. No, not in the right place, mate. Wrong highway. Lucknow's on the Mitchell Highway, isn't it? It is. Just before Orange. Yes. Yeah. But that's not where I am. They used to, many, many years ago. No, I won't tell you the story. Oh, many, many years ago, they, there used to be a place there called the Lucknow Animal Care Shelter. And I adopted a dog from this Lucknow Animal Care Shelter. And it got off its chain and killed 75 sheep outright. <laughs> and I had to, oh, goodness. <laughs> when I lived on a property. I'm not kidding. I have fond memories of the luck now. There's a pub there too. But no. Uh, sorry, Dino. No worries. Thanks, mate. Okay, buddy. Um, one triple three five three. Lenny's online with a question for you, Rod. Yep. Yeah, g'day, boys. Yeah, go. Uh, Rod, just a logbook question. I haven't mm-hmm. done any logbook work for 12 months now. But I've been given two different types of information that I have to keep it on me in the truck every time I drive for five years. But I've also been told that it's only six months after your last entry. Do you know which one's correct? Mate, your employer must keep your yellow copies after you've driven. They've got to keep them for a number of years. And if you drive a truck that requires the use of the logbook, you obviously have to have it with you. And, of course, the other rule is that you must carry your last book for a month. So, virtually, you've got to have some form of record in there for the last month so they know what you've done. Right. So, in other words, just keep it in the truck regardless. Yes, and if you don't need to use it because you're doing local, then you've got to fill out a worksheet anyway. And then, of course, if you do need it, you've got it with you. Yep, no drama. Thanks for right, the mate. clarity. No worries at all. Have a good one. Have a good one. That was easy. Yes. That was easy, wasn't it? Um, Jeff's in, you got a question for Rod. He's got to go in a second. Uh, Jeff's in Tari. Jeff, where's Rodney? Well, hello. Uh, I reckon Rodney's at uh, Tamingley. And he is at Tamingley because I said there's uh, the camera, the safety cam is not that far from where I am now. Well done, mate. So he's won six quickies and uh, where's Wadney? This is, this is, 
the, the pain in the ass, Jeff Rod. <laughs> He's oh, not yeah. here amongst the 15 other tracks I'm hiding amongst, is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on the uh, oh, 21 Dumb Street here. Uh, the Northern, uh, yeah, Q. Oh, there you go. All right, Jeff, stay there. Yeah. It's your seventh Triple M T-shirt. Yeah. Are you going to open a store? Hang <laughs> oh. on, here's a question. Show us your horn again. <laughs> All right, Roy Hannafy, president of the National Road Freighters Association. Exactly what sort of truck is that? Ah, that's a train horn. <laughs> What truck is it, Rod? Come on, I want to test your knowledge. No, well, that's a train horn, so that could be on any truck. Yeah. He's got an American train horn by the sound of that. Jeff? Uh, yes? Is it a train horn? Hello? Western Star. A Western Star. There you go. All right. <laughs> I'd love to have one of them on my car. Oh, I want Wouldn't that be great in your car? How good would that be? Stay there, Jeff. You're pain in the ass. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, Rod Hanafy is with us. I got a funny feeling one of my oldest best friends in the world has just rung through. Is that you, Margie? It is my friend. How are you? I got it, Rod. Let me introduce you to a character. <laughs> and this isn't this. This is not a trucking character, but she could well have been a truckie in her day because she does anything. This is Margie, who used to work for Bathurst City Council. And Rod, Margie uh, was also uh, in charge of the dog pound. And she used to also make sure that the toilets were locked up at night because people did strange things in the toilets. Mm -hmm. Um, So I used to call Margie the Minister for Ferocious Animals and Public Lavatories. (laughs) (laughs) And she's one of the one of my favourite favourite people in the whole world, and we still stay in touch. Hello, darling. How are you, sweetheart? I'm wonderfully well. And yourself? Lovely. To know. How come you're up? Oh well, we had this fantastic cracker of a storm. You got a story for me? No, well, we've just had a massive storm. Oh, here. storm! Okay. Right. Yeah, and I I woke up because, as you know, I go to bed with you every evening. Yes, I'm and, I'm exhausted um, after all these years. Look, look, I know. And I thought, I know that answer to that stupid question. Oh, you had it right and, too. I'll send you well, a. Of course, darling. Would you want you a, know. Do you want a t-shirt? Yes, that'd be wonderful. Oh. You know what? People wouldn't know that it's not that far, really. It's what fifty k's from the Dubbo Zoo. What a bit of advertising! Not even that. that. <laughs> not even that. Far. And it's famous for a gold mine. Yeah. Well, have you ever been to Peak Hill? Not not Rod, of course, but I'm talking about you, Lou. No, I don't think so. Oh, well, go there. I've been to the Lucknow Animal Care Shelter. Yes, I know you have. Do you remember that dog? <laughs> Do we don't know? need to talk about it that was dog, huge, It was a huge dog and he got off his lead and ran down. The, I, I lived 20 minutes out of town. And it ran down the valley and killed all these sheep. Jesus. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't one of your dogs. We got a dog from you. We got two. We got a. a That's right. We got a. Um, a, a, was the beagle from you, Cleo? Oh. And then we got a little. Um, what Your is, son was only a little boy. Jacob, yeah, cricket. Jacob. Yeah. Little, and you were living in Stanley Street. That's right. That's right. 
Oh, that's a worry, Luke. Ma- Margie's one of our oldest and dearest friends, and she's a real character. Some of her stories, Rod, are just fantastic. I'll talk to you in another morning, okay? Oh, that's okay. But, Rod, all the best and safe travelling, mate. I, I, I think what you do is incredible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Give, Mar- yeah, give Margie a T-shirt, will you, please, Thomas? Okay, bye-bye. Rod, I'm going to let you go. So where are you? I'm at Tamingley, where the safety cam is, just south of Dubbo on the Newell Highway. Safety cam? What's the safety cam? Safety cam is the system they brought in to monitor trucks, and they look at our trip times through New South Wales. Uh, it's extended into South Australia. They're the only two states that really have it. And HVR now has a national camera network right. that was built on what was originally safety cam. Was it really? Hmm. Is there a decent truck stop there where you can have a shower and a feed? Mate, it's actually very strange. There was a little shell here ages ago that got closed down. There's a new one being built. There is a previous one. There is an enormous big truck parking bay and another opposite the pub. And they started building another survey. They were building two together at once. And I think the, the second one thought, hang on, Jesus, we both applied together. And they've now stopped halfway through because there was going to be three track stops in Tamingley when we only really have one in Dubbo. Right, all right. And what do you say the population was? 250, and Dubbo's got 50,000. So there's something astray there, mate. It's very strange. It's very strange. But anyway, it, if it works, it works. Rod Hanafy, uh, the conference is coming up at Shepparton. It is coming up next weekend. You've got to go online to the NRFA Facebook page to get a ticket so we know how many are coming. There's not that much room left. Uh, we're going to have a full house by the look of it. Uh, we're holding our AGM for the National Road Freighters on the Friday night. Then we start our conference on the Saturday morning. We have a dinner that night as well. You have to buy tickets for the dinner. And we welcome anybody in the industry who wants to come along and have a say. And Sal will be there. All right, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. You have yourself a good week. Have a safe week. Safe travelling, buddy. Thank you, mate. Ten forward. Talk to you then. Ten four, good buddy. Rod Hanafy. Around Australia on the Triple M Network, this is The Night Shift with Luke Boner. The Night Shift. The quickie from one competition to another. That's what we do. That's how we swing here. We don't muck around. Here is the quickie. It sounds like this. And the clue is, give us a hug. That's the quickie. It's a piece of classic rock. Very Triple M. Give us a hug is the clue. Hop to it and have a crack. Oh, God. It's one of those you'll never forget albums if you were old enough to remember. Way before your time, Thomas. You weren't even a glint in your father's eye. You weren't even a niche in his overalls when this, this my first year at boarding school, 1976, and um, you'd sit on the edge of your bed and I was just learning the guitar and you'd learn that, that riff, along with other songs of the time. Hotel California was another one. Um, Boz Skaggs, Silk Degrees album came out at around the same time. Some big songs, some big, some big albums, but that was the biggest. It was a double album. Peter Frampton comes alive, for those who remember. One triple three five three. So... Facebook is 20 years old. Are we any better off? We'll have a chat about that in just a second. Hey, look, don't take my word for it. Don't take everybody else's word for it. Listen to real people when they talk about how amazing the natural 
fertiliser, the, the barramundi fertiliser Swift Grow is. Have a listen to this from Brendan. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertiliser as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around, and one of them is I've got roses, and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice, but the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. It just does everything. And that is Brendan that rang me about three or four weeks ago. And he loves his swift growth. You'll love it too. If you're a gardener or if you know of somebody that's a gardener, you've got to get them this. And this is the best deal ever. Five litre bottle, which will last you forever. Five litre bottle for just 120 bucks, and it's delivered free anywhere in Australia. Nothing more to say. It is brilliant. It is, well, it's freakish. If it's green and it grows, you are going to love Swift Grow. Back in a sec. Okay, come on, folks. The quickie sounds like this. Have a close listen. You all know the song backwards. And the clue is, give us a hug. That's the quickie. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I'm going to talk to Trevor Long a bit later this morning. Uh, Trevor, our tech expert from EFTM, about Facebook. Facebook has turned twenty, and I want to know what you make of all of this. It is hard to overstate the impact that Facebook has had on so many people from pop culture and politics to how we communicate with each other and the way we do business. Jasmine Emberg from Insider Intelligence writes, the cool college students may not be using Facebook anymore, but it remains the largest social platform worldwide with 2.12 billion monthly users in 2024. That's the estimate. Facebook set the standard for social advertising and Meta's ad platform remains a blueprint for other social apps as they continue to grapple with adjusting to a new era of privacy in AI this year. Yes, but the last 20 years have also been wrought with controversy and competition. CEO Mark Zuckerberg has successfully steered the company through its challenges The company has taken major reputational hits and Facebook has lost much of its luster. Zuckerberg Zuckerberg has testified in Congress eight times, most recently at a heated January 31 Senate hearing on protecting children online. Instagram has been picking up the slack for Facebook's slowly user growth or slowing user growth and now accounts for roughly a third of Meta's worldwide revenues. When Facebook first started 20 years ago, so how old were you, Thomas? Nine. You were nine when Facebook started. I mean, unbelievable. Imagine me at nine. No, I don't want to. I I can still see you with a beard. Running around the studio. You'd still have a beard. (laughs) I had it since I was three. And you'd still be obsessed with Thomas the Tank Engine. But 20 years, and what have we learned? Are we better off for Facebook? It's not as cool as it used to be. It was a very cool thing to have. But now it's it's for oldies, isn't it? 
I think you're kind of right. I think I use Facebook for I have a sibling group chat with my other uh, family members, and there's maybe one or two friends who I know will use that as their primary method of communication, and that's how I get. My kids, secondary or third, they hardly do anything on Facebook. They're all on WhatsApp or Insta or the talk. Yeah, I'm in the Instagram camp. No, I'm not. It took me ages to get into Facebook. And it was, uh, I'm going to be honest, it was a big disappointment. Facebook has come under a lot of scrutiny. Um, what about people using FaceTime in real time to broadcast criminal activity, terrorist activity? And you had to ask yourself, how was that allowed to run for, for so long? Why weren't there warning signs and red flags at, at Facebook head office? Hang on, we can't have this going to, going to air. Going to air is the wrong thing, but you know what I mean. Um, but... It, nothing, there's been, in the history of electronics, nothing has come close to Facebook and the, um, and the Apple iPhone. It's funny because the things that preceded Facebook, you have like MSN Messenger and MySpace, and they kind of lingered around in the late 90s, early 2000s. No, it's right, and MySpace, yeah. Facebook kind of just took over by storm. I got MySpace and Facebook mixed up, and I asked Nikki if she was sitting on my face all night. I, anyway, I'm just saying, I got, I got them mixed up. Anyway. Very easy to do. Fa- Facebook, 20 years of age. Are we better off for it? Were you a Facebook fanatic and have you gone off it now? Are you bored with it or do you still use it? And how do you use it? We'll talk to Trevor Long about it shortly. One triple three five three is the number. Uh, g'day, Troy. How you going, Luke? Good, thank you, Troy. Where are you? <laughs> Uh, a great way for the highway uh, heading east of Willarawang. East of Willarawang. Okay, the the, uh, the power station. Yes. What's up? Uh, short of a quickie. Go. On Joby in these No, it's not. It's not. The clue is give us a hug. There was a huge hit. Another clue coming up later today. But no, it's not Bon Jovi, okay? It's not even a Bon Jovi song, so we can narrow it down. Righto, thank you. Okay, buddy, take care of yourself. One triple three five three, the night shift on the Triple M network with Luke Boner. Stephen's online from Hobart. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for joining us. How's Hobart this morning? Hobart's twelve degrees and uh, yeah, quite um, yeah, quite warm for twelve degrees. Twelve degrees is not summer. What sort of a summer did you have? Was it okay? getting better. We're supposed to have a better February than we did January, so yeah. Alright. Now, yeah. you wanted to talk about Facebook. A twenty. Yeah. It turns 20. It turned 20 this week. It turned 20 yesterday. Are we better off for Facebook? It, it has been an absolute phenomenon, but what's what have we learned after 20 years of Facebook? Did, are you on it? Yeah, I'm on it. Um, and I use it a bit, um, but it wrecks people. Like, like Sorry, what was that? It wrecks people. Yeah. How does Facebook wreck people? My husband and wife go to work. They come home. They cook tea. They sit down and they just sit on either end of the couch and just scroll through Facebook. They're not communicating with each other. They're not paying attention to what's on the telly. Um, they're not paying attention to anything that's going on around them with the kids or the dogs or whatever. Yep. Um, they they post. Post things on it. I've had a bad day. So I get on Facebook when I get home from work. Had a shit day at work. 
and then and, that, and that's all you post. And then you you want all your friends. Hey Steve, are you okay? What what's happened? Think people reaching out for pity like. Like, that never happened 20 years ago when I was a kid. Um, is, it, is it Facebook started all of this? It was absolutely phenomenal. And Zuckerberg's a genius to have come up with it originally for, for university students to stay in touch. Who would have thought that um, it would now have 2.12 billion monthly users estimated for 2024? It's just unbelievable. But you reckon it's ruined relationships and ruined people? Yep, yep. Um, my, I've got two stepkids, a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. Um, they both work part-time, but when they're not at work, they're laying on their bed just scrolling through Facebook. So th- they're quite young for Facebook. I thought Facebook now, um, the Gen Zers and even the Millennials had brushed Facebook. I thought that they were all onto Instagram and other things. I thought it was the oldies that we're doing Facebook still. Yeah, I don't think my stepkids are into all the other social media um, platforms that are out there. They just stick to Facebook. Yep, yep. Right. Was it, are there positives? What, was Facebook a great way for friends to stay in touch and find old friends that you'd lost contact with and stuff like that? Was, was it helpful there? It is a good way for friends to stay in touch, but it's also a bad way for friends to stay in touch. Instead of going out and having a coffee or going to the pub and having a beer with your mate, you're talking to them from your bed on Facebook and you don't get off the bed. What about if your friends are overseas or interstate? Yep, that's fine. Yep, yep, that's fine. Or make a, make a phone call the old-fashioned way. Man, you used to. Yep, we used to ring our ring our friends overseas once a month and catch up, or, or send a letter, put it in the letter, send some photos in a letter of what you've done, what you've been up to. But yeah, now you do it now you do it on Facebook every day if you want to. And hand on your heart, do you have a Facebook account? Yeah, I do. There you are. Are you addicted? No, no. I can I I, I can put my phone. Uh, me and my wife have got another property. We go to our property on weekends. I can put my phone. Um, at my other property, either leave it in my car and not touch it the whole weekend. I can go without it. My wife can't. If, if she's not doing something at that other property, she's sitting down on Facebook. Now, I can sit down and sit back and enjoy a coffee and get the fire going and just kick back. But nah. yeah, my missus is into Facebook, but she but she has a club of fra- family and friends, and they all send each other funny things and posts and f- comments. And she'll sit there in the morning, and to get her brain working before she goes to work, the first thing she'll do is Wordle. Have you ever heard of Wordle? No. How would you explain Wordle, Thomas? It's kind of like a glorified version of Scrabble or yeah, like yeah. a word search, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, it, was, it was invented by someone in New York? I believe so, yeah. Or was it someone from the New Yorker? But possibly, yeah. And uh, I know many people who do it, and I don't do it because I don't want to get addicted to so stuff the, either. So, Stephen, there's a word of the day, and you get and you get so many clues, and you've got to try and work out what the word is using the least amount of clues that are offered to you. And if you're in a little group like Nikki is, her br- two brothers, her father, her uncle, two of her cousins, her best friend, they all play Wordle every morning, and whoever gets the word first is king of the day. You know, gets a... Gets a prize. So she does that. Yep. And then she plays backgammon on her own. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then she and she was absolutely hooked onto this thing. I'm going to need both your help here. It's quite old now, but at the time, it was a game, very colourful, lots of sound effects. It was Angry Birds. No, the other one. The other one. Of that kind of flavour. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What was that big game? Monopoly? No, it was a, it was a game she played online, on the phone. Okay. Yeah, now you got. Oh, if someone will ring in and tell me it was the. If it wasn't Angry Birds, you were playing this other thing. Among Us. No, keep going. You're gonna get it. Oh, Pokemon Go. No, keep going. Am I on the the right kind yeah, of? I think so. I don't know. I never played it, but she oh. was obsessed with it. She yeah, was okay. hooked on it. And the more you played it, the more points you got. Candy oh, Crush. That's it. Thank yeah, you. There you go. I nearly swore. Yeah. Can- <laughs> Candy Crush. She was obsessed with Candy Crush. D- did you ever play that, Stephen? No, no. Thomas, did you ever play Candy Crush? Never a day in my life. Okay, she was hooked on it. Was, just was, would play it sitting on the toilet. That's why I crush candy normally. Candy Crush. My, my stepdaughter, her phone is everywhere. If she comes out, she, she's a, she, she plays um, AFL football. For our local club down here in Tassie, um, and she's on a diet, so she makes her own meals. She comes out, puts the phones on the bench. One beep of that phone, and it's picked the phone up. See what's going on? It's not. It's like a whopping five minutes. She's got a, uh, I, I don't get it. I, I I honestly don't get it. But anyway, um, and I suppose there's lots of people listening who, who don't get it either. But maybe they're obsessed with um, using their phones to watch porn. As someone once said to me. Uh, when mobile phones came out, the, the the trend was to make them as small as possible, and then people realised they could watch porn on them, and then make them as big as possible. Come on, iPad. <laughs> Stephen, thanks for your call. Thanks for calling from Hobart. What do you do? I'm a truck driver. I'm heading from Hobart up to Georgetown with a load of fish at the moment. All right. Well, you take care and stay in touch. Okay. I want you to be my eyes and ears of Hobart. Yep. Yep. Good. I've got a cart. I've got a cart of your craft beer off your last year. Beautiful. I almost one call a week, but I didn't quite get it. You, well, I, so I gave you some Hope State beer, did I? You certainly did. And he and he got it to Hobart for you. You got it to Hobart. It's beautiful beer, isn't it? Yep, yep top drop. It is very good. Michael Hope, Hope Estate 3.5. Very, very good beer. A lovely crispy lager. Thanks, Stephen. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Jeff, good day. Well. Oh, no, 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 no. You've all, no, goodbye. You've won. The Trucky Tuesday T-shirt. You're not having a go at the quickie. I'm barring you, Dave. Hello. Hey, mate. Crack at your um, quickie. Yes. I think it's um, hunters and collectors. Throw your arms around me. No, it's not. Give us a hug. Is the clue? Quickie sounds like this. Back in a sec. Well, there is absolute outrage around Australia today and for very good reason. Juvenile crime has, it would appear, to have taken over. We knew it was bad, but we had no idea it was going to get this bad. Yesterday, five teenagers were arrested as police continued to investigate the stabbing death of a 70-year-old grandmother at an Ipswich shopping centre. Three 16-year-old boys and one 15-year-old boy 
were arrested in Ipswich on Monday and are currently assisting police with their inquiries. And these arrests are in addition to the arrest of a 15-year-old Ripley boy on Sunday night. His father turned him in, took him to a police station. He has been charged with one count of unlawful use of a motor vehicle in relation to an alleged stolen car, which police said belonged to the stabbing victim, Vileen White. Miss White was stabbed in the chest during this dreadful, violent robbery. Made even worse because it was done in front of her six-year-old granddaughter. It happened at Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. As we all know, police were called to the centre car park around 6.30pm Saturday in response to reports of a serious assault. Friends are rallying behind the family of Ms White and the family are now heartened by the support shown by their local community. Detective Acting Superintendent Heath McQueen said last night Ms White had been grocery shopping and was near her car when the random attack took place. There's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of anger and senselessness as to what's happened. Locals are in shock. Australia is in shock. Senator Pauline Hanson, Queensland Senator, joins me now. Uh, You may have seen her on the news overnight. She doesn't know what to do about this juvenile crime rate. Do we lock people up? Pauline Hanson, Senator Hanson, has said, like me and like many people, that juvenile crime will continue to escalate because there are no consequences. Well, that's the way it seems. Are magistrates too soft? Are the laws that are in place, do they need toughening up? Just what is the answer? Senator Pauline Hanson joins me now. Good morning to you. Killing Heidi here on the Night Shift, Tuesday, February 6th, all day. And Trevor Long from AFTM, everything for the man, uh, and we'll talk Facebook turning 20. Are we better off for it? Can we do without it? How many of you have dropped away and dropped out of Facebook? Or how many of you are obsessed with it? We'll talk about Facebook in the last 20 years with Trevor Long shortly. Uh, The quickie hasn't gone off. The clue is give us a hug. Grant. Yes. Would you like Good morning, Luke. Good morning, buddy. Would you like another listen? Sure, go ahead. He's very mean with his quickie clues, Thomas, isn't he? He's very, very mean. I just love to give everyone a challenge. Just working with you is a challenge, Thomas. Grant, what is it? I think it's Errol by Australian Call. No, I didn't even think of that. I guess I can... uh, No. How did you get Give Us a Hug from that? I, I... I don't know. No, I don't know, you've got I, nothing. Listen into the tune. That's, yeah. that's where I got it well, from. But the the yeah. tune? How can you? How can you call that a tune? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Grant, have a good day. Anyway, yeah, have a good day, guys. See you, mate. Bye bye. The night shift, Triple M. Have a think. Where were you twenty 
years ago. What were you doing? Did you have the same job? Bet you didn't. Um, how old were you 20 years ago? And how has the world changed over the last two decades? Can you believe it that Facebook has turned 20 years of age? It did so two days ago. And we mentioned it. We talked about it on the radio. Um, what have we learned? Is it easy or hard to overstate the impact that Facebook's had on so many aspects of our lives? Everything from pop culture, politics, to basically how we learned to communicate with each other and how to do business. Got a phone call from Pete earlier on. Loves Facebook. He's got thousands and thousands of followers and he makes money out of it. That's how he runs his business. It's come a long way since the very cool students at university used Facebook to keep in touch. With nearly 2.12 billion monthly users expected this year. Our tech expert is Trevor Long from EFTM, everything from the man. He joins me on the telephone line now. Trevor, good morning to you. Morning, Luke, boy. You and I were working at the same radio station 20 years ago. Jeez, that is, uh, that is very true. You um, and I were working together. Wow. And, and along came, I was very, very late to get involved in, in Facebook. I didn't mm. get onto Facebook till I went to 2CC in Canberra. And my producer, Sarah, Sarah Bannerman, she said, you've got to get onto Facebook if you want to stay in touch with what's going on in the world of media, Luke. I said, no, really, do I? I've got this far without it. She said, yeah, look where you are. No, she didn't say that. She said, she said, join Facebook and, and join up and stay in touch with other people in the media. You'll get to swap ideas and, and mm. stay in touch. Well, it didn't happen. I, I, I stayed in touch with other people in the media, but all I got were photos of their kids and their swimming lessons and what they were having for lunch and dinner. And that's, you've got to remember that Facebook started, and, and it was really, uh, it's, less, it's less than 20 years since really most of us began using it, because it was probably two or three years before it, it became what it is now. Like, it was, first of all, a, uh, a directory, a directory for university students, and it started out as being this, you know, Harvard directory, and then it expanded across all universities in America, and that's what made it kind of what it is today the the book of faces the facebook which is where you you find people and you you uh you keep in touch with them and and it really from the get-go for us once it really became that kind of i'm going to have a bunch of uh you know connections with family and and friends and and work colleagues we we learned more about each other that we probably didn't know and and we be, it became the oversharing generation didn't it because we started seeing you know, people talk about things that we're just like, well, why do we care? Why do mm. I care? What are you saying that for? And also remember it was, it was, this is pre images too. It wasn't originally, it wasn't where you would post an image of anything, but then, you know, it, it allowed you to post a, post a photo. And as you say, you'd see photos of kids at swimming lessons or whatever it might or be. Or smashed Davo for brunch, which drove me crazy. That's right. Um, people's lunches. And, and, and cause then Right now, um, Facebook, the parent company, Meta owned Instagram, but they didn't at the, at the start. Uh, so Instagram launches during the next course of time, and so images becomes important, and Facebook goes there. And, mate, it, it wasn't that long before it really became what it is today. I mean, you're talking 2007, probably 2008, when it was 
pretty much what it is today, just with a slightly different focus or bent or whatever, you know, mm. we've got ads, um, we've got, you know, the like button and all that kind of stuff. We've got pages being created for businesses and it, it started being less about one-on-one individuals connecting and more about uh, a place for, to, you know, share news, uh, to keep uh, across, you know, uh, different businesses and companies. But, man, it wasn't long, really, don't think, before it became controversial, controversial as well. I mean, in, in the U.S., they were getting investigations from the, from the FTC very early on into privacy. That's, that's a 2011 kind of thing. That's pretty early in a company's life to be getting investigated for, you know, privacy and, and those kind of things. And I think you have to say that I think the 20 years has been dominated by controversy despite how big and how good and how interesting it is mate the controversies really outweigh everything else i reckon on facebook zuckerberg has testified in congress eight times Mm. and you remember that january 31 senate hearing got quite heated it was about protecting children online is zuckerberg Trevor, in your mind, a decent person. Um, Look, there's no doubt he's clever. What he came up with, with a group of others, but what he came up with was just genius. Um, But it seems to me that, yes, you're right, he has been surrounded in controversy. Does he deserve that controversy? Yes. I mean, he he didn't... Remember, this is is trailblazing, right? This is creating something that didn't exist, so there's always... The formation of laws happens after the formation of ideas. Uh, and so that's that's the challenge for Zuckerberg and his company. Um, and they're also pushing the boundaries. So privacy is the first concern, and that's where they come unstuck in the biggest way, and that was in, I think, the biggest controversy uh, Facebook has. And they were, you know, privacy was a big thing for them. And I remember getting briefings on privacy in, like, 2015 and stuff from Facebook about how they were doing this and you know, trying to make make everything better and all that kind of stuff. But then in 2018, Cambridge Analytica. Now, yes, that is, yes, that is a solid six. What years happened ago. again? That was um, so. Basically, it, it turned out that there was companies that were buying data from Facebook or getting access to data from Facebook, and because of the way that Facebook worked, these companies were able to essentially run little polls and, and, and quizzes and questions online through Facebook and harvest information. So Facebook would allow them to get this information off their platform, which mm. was so detailed, so private. We're talking millions of users, and it was used in uh, election campaigns. Uh, people say it was used to rig, but it wasn't. It was used to manipulate. So it basically allowed, allowed them to super target and that's what it was all about at the time was, was yeah. super targeting about i remember talking to super about target people for uh for for their their views on elections and and you know manipulate in many ways people's thoughts and views on the candidates yes you spoke you and i spoke about it on this program yeah i it, mean it was it was at the time and 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 still today i think one of the biggest stories that's affected facebook because it it fundamentally shifted a lot for them because of the the huge focus on them. They still, to this day, uh, push hard on you know the opposite, which is you know privacy and all these things for people. You know, and you could say that kind of led other companies too. Apple is so big on talking about our data and our privacy and controlling it, 
because they realised, and other companies realised, that the controversy around Facebook and Cambridge Analytica really made people think about what data and information was out there about them. But guys, you know, the number one thing, if you're a listener and you think, yeah, that was an outrage, we didn't really leave Facebook in droves as a result. <laughs> but we all are... talked about leaving Facebook, but no one did. Yeah, no one did. <laughs> but are they now? Has Instagram taken over? Um, I get the impression from my kids, Jacob and Hull, that Facebook's really old hat now, and they've moved on to the talk and Instagram. Mate, I would argue that there's no doubt that TikTok is more uh, more influential. It's more it, it gets more eyeball time. So there's there's different metrics on the internet. Daily active users, which is the number of people who actually log on every day, is one thing. But the time they spend is another. Like I get on Facebook every day and do something, but I don't. I haven't posted on Facebook in my personal profile for a very long time. It's just not something I, I bother with anymore. So yeah, I it's think irrelevant. It, TikTok is probably the the most engaged platform, followed mm. by Instagram. But mm. Facebook continues to grow. If you uh, if you underestimate the scale of Facebook right now, you underestimate the potential of it right now. And it's it's actually more like three billion active users right now. It's unprecedented how many people are using this thing, and it is not slowing down. So, you know, I think there's a generational gap as well. My my oldest has got a Facebook account, certainly doesn't use it. Uh, and I think that that's, that's just, you know, a generational thing. The thing that worried me, and I've got to go, um, I've got finance coming up, but the thing that gets me is that if somebody posts something, not just derogatory, but defamatory or, or, or posts something that's liable, highly liable, who's responsible for that post? Is Facebook the publisher responsibly responsible at the end of the day? Facebook certainly doesn't, uh, you know, claim responsibility. It's it's all on you, and uh, yep. a lot of legal battles can can ensue as as a result of thinking about it that way. Yeah, that's what worries me about it. But look at it, twenty years, eh, Trevor? Twenty years. Who would have thought? How old are we, eh? Oh, stop it, <laughs> stop it. But um, but there you are. Are we better off for it? Last question: Is the world a better place? because of this phenomenon, which is Facebook? Controversially, I'm going to say yes. Because I think the, the hyper- Tell me how. I think because we're connected more, we see more, we know more about our... Like, I just go back to basics. I know more about my distant family, and I'm just talking cousins. I'm not talking brothers and sisters. I'm talking just cousins. I know more about my broad family than I ever would have without it. And, yeah, I think that's a good thing. So you reckon the world's a better place with Facebook? Yeah, I do. And do you think it's old hat now? No, I think it still has it still has legs. It's just uh, it's just a, a different generational usage. That's all. All right, hey Trevor, that was the same so... way that radio is, mate. You know, we have different yeah. different uses of media. I think we have different uses of yeah. No, I hear, I hear. Um, from one dinosaur to another, Trevor. Thank you so much. <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff I wanted to talk to you about, and we're out of time because look, Facebook turning 20 is a significant topic. How about yes. we, we talk again soon, okay? I'll be here. I know. You've got no life. I've read about it on Facebook. Nailed it. Goodbye. See ya. This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift on the Triple M Network. 
Those of you leaving me for your breakfast programs, have a jolly good Tuesday, won't you? At least try. Give it a crack. Those staying with me, plenty more still to come, including Maddie Larson and news headlines. Um, Maddie Larson joins us shortly with a look at news headlines. Uh, breaking news. King Charles III has been diagnosed with cancer. Buckingham Palace have just announced this. During the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, a separate issue of concern has been noted. According to the statement, subsequent diagnostic tests have identified a form of cancer. That story heads our news headlines, which is next. Yep, it is Tuesday, February 6, 2024. As we look at the news you're waking up to today, Maddie Larson from Triple M News joins me now. And breaking news, King Charles, King Charles III, has been diagnosed with cancer. This report has just been released from Buckingham Palace. Maddie Larson, what can you tell us? Good morning. Good morning, Luke. That's right. So Buckingham Palace says uh, that the cancer was discovered during his recent medical procedure. Now, that procedure was for an enlarged prostate, but this is not prostate cancer. They have not identified the form of cancer in their statement. Now, uh, the 75-year-old began regular treatments on Monday. And this news comes a week after the King and Princess Kate were both released from a London hospital for separate medical treatments. Uh, Now, in some positive signs, the King was seen smiling and waving at a church service with Queen Camilla on Sunday. Uh, So he is uh, still looking in good spirits. But yes, he has been diagnosed with cancer, but we are unaware of the form of cancer at this stage. All right. Stay listening to Triple M News today. We'll have more news as the news breaks. But just repeating, King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. And uh, as Maddie just said, during the King's recent hospital procedure for benign prostate enlargement, Maddie, I understand it was, it's a separate issue of concern that's been noted, yes? Yes, that's right. And it's been picked up during this medical procedure. So, uh, yes, separate to the enlarged prostate. All right. To other news, the RBA meeting today, as I said, with Shane Oliver, Chief Economist with AMP about half an hour ago, an interesting time for the Reserve Bank because they're playing under different rules. It's a two-day meeting, which started yesterday. That's right. They've got these new rules into play, and that comes after that probe that we saw last year into how the RBA operates and and these cash rate decisions. Uh, but I think looking at this from our point of view, or those are paying off a home, Uh, it's looking like we could get some good news. So economists are tipping another pause to the cash rate today, and this is the first cash rate decision of 2024, and we'll receive the news uh, later today. Now, as you mentioned, AMP Chief Economist uh, Shane Oliver, he says that uh, all the signs are pointing to a pause at 4.35%. Take a listen. Since the last meeting, we've seen soft data for retail sales, soft data for jobs, Globally, we've seen a whole bunch of central banks heading towards interest rate cuts. Not quite there yet, but that's the direction they're heading in. And of course, most importantly, in Australia, we've seen lower inflation. Now, I think this will be really important uh, for a majority of uh, Aussies that are trying to live amid the cost of living crisis. Um, And that's something that uh, we're also seeing discussed a lot uh, in federal parliament. And that resumes today as well, Luke. So a lot of things happening today. 
Uh, the big topic of discussion when federal parliament resumes will be those revamped stage three tax cuts. And this is the first sitting of 2024 for federal pollies. Uh, it comes as Labor is hoping to get the legislation passed by Easter and Treasurer Jim Chalmers has told 7.30 it's about getting lower and middle income workers more cash back. It became really clear to us, increasingly clear over the course of summer, that this was the best way to do it and why people have accepted our reasoning, more or less, for why we made this change is because people expect us to do the right thing by them, even if it's politically contentious. Now, Luke, we've spoken about this um, mm. a couple of times now, but just as a bit of a recap, uh, obviously other parties have been upset because this breaks an election promise uh, by taking some of the extra cash that the higher income earners would have been getting and giving them to lower and middle income earners. Now, the government does face some hurdles uh, with getting this through Parliament. The Coalition is seeking amendments, but ultimately is expected to support it. While the Greens are wanting an increase in welfare payments in exchange for their support. We've previously spoken about the benefits of these changes for workers below 140000 So that's a majority of us. So it's good news for a majority. But there are some other arguments that are coming through from the Greens. So Adam Baird has argued that the top tax bracket will uh, still win big from Labor's tax cuts. Uh, with the government spending $84 billion on tax cuts for those earning over 180000 over a quarter of the cost of the whole $318 billion package. And he says that money could go towards things like adding dental to Medicare. So there are other parties wanting to see some changes with this, but ultimately it's looking like uh, they should get the support to pass. It's amazing how many people hate the, tax, the top tax bracket. Just remember the top tax bracket pays 50% of all taxable revenue that the government collects. Just a thought. Um, this is a story of great concern. Australian And Australia's been sentenced to death in China, an author. Mm-hmm. So Australian Yang Hunjun has been handed a death sentence in China, with Australia labelling the court's decision appalling. So the writer and activist, he's been in prison over there since 2019 on spying charges, which he continues to deny. Uh, the federal government has been petitioning for his release, but officials have not been able to attend his closed trial that began in 2021. Now, this death sentence, uh, however, is subject to good behaviour, so it can be converted to a life sentence after two years. Uh, now, when we are talking about uh, this situation, I think uh, we also uh, think of former state TV anchor Chung Lei uh, after China decided to release her. Now, that briefly sparked some optimism among us that Beijing might be willing to, willing to show him some clemency, but that's not what has occurred here. Now, the family have released a statement as well saying that they're devastated. Uh, and this also comes as there's been some health concerns about the 58-year-old as he has a large cyst on one of his kidneys too. All right. Well, there you go. We can keep our fingers crossed. I know Penny Wong said yesterday that negotiations with China are continuing, but she can't elaborate because it could compromise uh, a release. So uh, we'll, we'll find out down the track. Very quickly, Taylor Swift uh, she broke the Grammys record. Are you a, you're a big Tay-Tay fan. I can tell. I'm not. I'm oh! Not <laughs> you would think for my age oh, and uh, I being a female. Oh, I thought you as a Tay-Tay. No, I mean, look, 
I enjoy seeing that she can take on uh, multiple different um, errors, if you'd call it, with her errors concert. Uh, I think she can tackle a few different genres within the pop music. She's gone from starting out as a country music uh, pop star to uh, more of an alternative uh, love song. Uh, but to me personally, I think I was just a bit older when the Taylor Swift thing uh all kind of ramped up. Uh, but yeah, she has broken records. So she's uh, become the first one to win four album of the year awards after winning um, album of the year yesterday at the Grammys for her yeah, album. Yeah, well, for what it's worth, I Midnight. think. For what it's worth, I think Kylie's song is rubbish too. So anyway, there you are. <laughs> and it's not going to go. Thank you, Maddie Larson. Just repeating our lead story King Charles at the age of 75 has been diagnosed with cancer, according to a press release. Uh, Buckingham Palace announced just a short time ago. We'll have more news on that here on the Triple M Network as news comes to hand. Thank you, Maddie. We'll talk tomorrow. Thanks, Luke. Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Tuesday soon. Monday is washing day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.